full speed ahead for the 2023 season in NASCAR in the Arkham Menard Series. And we are here at Fan for Racing Radio to help everybody prepare for the big weekend at Daytona International Speedway this coming weekend. Joining me as co-host is Jay Huseman. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you, Sharon. And you hit on a big thing there. It is a big weekend at Daytona, and it is all about speed at the World Center of Speed, (laughs) Daytona International. Yes, it is. And uh, there's a lot going on. As you know, there's uh, short track racing going on all over the country. So we're going to start out talking a little bit about that uh, and show you where you can go to hear and see the latest in short track racing around the country. Also, we're going to preview the Arkham Art Series season opener out at Daytona International Speedway. That's coming up uh, very soon. And uh, we'll talk about that. And we'll also give you a brief preview of the ARCA East and West uh, and their 2023 season as well. Following all of that, we're going to get into, uh, at the top of the hour, we're going to start with our NASCAR season opening race for the NASCAR Truck Series, then the Xfinity Series, and we'll close out this segment with the Cup Series at Daytona, all season openers for all of the NASCAR Series. Uh, And then immediately after our uh, Cup Series preview, we're going to have our first Hot Topic Sound Off discussion with our Fan for Racing crew. And in addition to you and myself, Jay, Mike Orzel will be joining us. Can't imagine Mike could have anything to say. Uh, I think he's only posted uh, 18, 20 times here throughout the off season. Uh, four or five yes, coming yesterday, I believe. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, he's done a good job of keeping us all updated with what's happened during the off season. And we've got a lot of catching up to do, no doubt about it. <clears throat> It might, it might take us those first 10 minutes of uh, hot topics just to figure out which one of the hot topics we want to talk about because <laughs> there were some big ones there throughout the off season. Yes, indeed. Okay, let's go ahead and get started with our short track racing news. You know, one of the uh, biggest things that's happening in short track racing this week is the World Series of Stock Car Racing out at uh, New Smyrna Speedway. And uh, there's some NASCAR presence out there, and somebody is building a lot of momentum coming into NASCAR's season opener at Daytona, and that is William Byron. We saw this last year. I know he started, uh, I think he's got, what, four or five wins there at New Smyrna, but uh, Jeff Gordon prompted his drivers at Hendrick Motorsports to kind of step out and do more of this. Uh, William Byron, one that took it to heart and has gone out there and just uh, went full bore with it. He really has. And he's uh, really making quite a show of it out at uh, New Smyrna in the Clyde Hart Memorial with another New Smyrna win. So uh, it it really has been uh, an amazing uh, season uh, opener for New Smyrna. Uh, they're already in night five, and if you want to hear more information about uh, what's going on, on out there, uh, you'll want to head over to RacingAmerica.com. They will give you all the highlights and all the unofficial results 
uh, after night five out there at New Smyrna. And I do believe uh, if you scroll a little further down, I think they have the points up through night four. I don't think they had night five's uh, results factored into the point standings yet. Um, yeah, dated February 14th. You can see the points after night four. And you mentioned it. I know I saw Stuart Friesen's name on that list, uh, Johnny Sauter as well, and several of these young guys that are just getting started at the top three level when we talk about either the truck series, the Arkham and Ard series, or the Xfinity series. So going to be some, become some familiar names, if you will, if you're not already familiar with them. Yes, indeed. And we'll talk about this a little bit later, but one of the things I miss uh, in this uh, World Series of uh, Asphalt Stock Car Racing is that uh, they don't have this year the ARCA East season opener out at New Smyrna. Uh, the ARCA East won't start their season until next month. And, again, we'll tell you more about that a little bit later, but it's something that I really miss from New Smyrna in this week. I, that was one of those with their schedule change the way it came down. Uh, as they add new things, old things got to – some things got to go away. And you're right, that was one that kind of stung a little bit, if you will, that – that was a, their season or opener was the same weekend here. Um, we'll see how it plays out. You know, maybe a year or two they go back to it because I I was with you that first beginning part of this week leading into Daytona, everything kicking off. I thought fit really well. Okay, now another uh, resource for those people that are interested in what's going on in the uh, short track racing world is uh, Flow Racing, and if you haven't already subscribed. To that, I would really recommend it because they have a lot of coverage of what's happening in the uh, short track world over at Flow Racing. And just like Racing America where you can see the highlights or you can see the actual racing that's going on at short tracks all over the country, uh, you can do that at Flow Racing as, as well. And between those two sites, you can capture just about everything there is to know about short track racing. Uh, that's certainly true. Between the two of them, you're right. I think they cover everything uh, that involves wheels and racing uh, when it comes to that. And I know uh, both of them looking to expand. Um, I think Flow Racing was the one that covered the Snowball Derby this past season. So uh, you, you got to appreciate that and what they're doing to expand it as well. Yes, indeed. And And every time I turn around, they're expanding more. In fact, uh, some of the coverage that used to be done at MAV-TV uh, is also being done at Flow Racing. They had a partnership, and uh, they are kind of working together now uh, at Flow Racing. So if you watched it on MAV-TV, you can now see it over at Flow Racing. That is so true. So that gives you more uh, bang for your buck, for sure. Building and building, uh, exactly. Okay. So uh, anything else that you want to make sure we highlight before we move on to the Arkham Menard series, Jay? Well, talking there just on Flow Racing, I will tell you this, the dirt track season has already started here in the southeast. Uh, they went from uh, the Golden Isle Speedway in Georgia, and they are now down in Florida for a couple of weeks. So you can catch that on Flow Racing as well. Also, Bubba Pollard, one of the biggest names in short track racing, uh, has a video. Uh, it's only about three minutes, uh, a little more than three minutes, and he discusses the differences between dirt 
and pavement racing. And I don't think of any, I can't think of anything, uh, uh, anyone who could tell it better than Bubba Pollard. Certainly not. And uh, I'm trying to think who I saw the tweet from that had that, that interview or part of a clip of that interview, like you said, mentioned that is a great interview. And Bubba Pollard is one that it's always great to talk to or hear from, whether he's won the race or maybe didn't do so good. Always gives a great interview. <laughs> that is uh, very, very true. Okay, so uh, again, you can get, uh, you can watch racing, you can catch up with the news in racing, uh, you can see the schedule of what's coming up in racing, results and rankings all at Flow Racing as well as Racing America. So be sure to check that out. Okay, we're going to move on now to the Arkham Menard Series because they also have a, their season opener for the uh, uh, season, for the 2023 season at Daytona International Speedway. And uh, just to kind of give you the details of that, uh, let me uh, give you that now. They are racing this Saturday, February the 18th, starting at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And it will be carried, live coverage It will be available via Fox Sports 1 and the Fox Sports app. So uh, you can catch the race that way. If you are not near the TV and want to catch it on the radio, it will be on MRN and Sirius XM, channel 391 online and channel 981 as well as ArcaRacing.com. Now, this is a 2.5-mile paved oval. Uh, they're going to start with uh, uh, this Thursday. They'll have their final practice from 4.05 to 4.55 p.m. Eastern Time. Friday, they'll do their general tire pole qualifying at 1.30 p.m. Eastern. And Saturday, February 18th, the Daytona 200 will be 80 laps covering 200 miles starting at 1.47 p.m. Eastern Time. So we've got some uh, tidbits uh, from the Arkham Menard series here uh, that Jay and I will cover with you. Jay, do you want to start with the first two, and we'll go two by two. All right. Uh, Daytona ARCA 200 is the 60th Arkham Menard series race on the 2.5-mile trial at Daytona International Speedway, and that dates back to the series' first visit in 1964. And while many drivers have multiple Arthur Menard Series wins at Daytona, only three drivers have ever won back-to-back fashion. Uh, If you're an ARCA fan, you know the name Bobby Gerhardt. He's an eight-time Daytona winner. He won three races in a row two separate times from 2005 to 2007, and then again in 2010 to 2012. And any race fan knows the name Grant Infinger. He won in consecutive years in 2014 and 15. And then Corey Heim. He's won the last two Arkham Menard Series races at Daytona in 2021 and 22. Now, while there's no driver who's actually won more than three consecutive times at Daytona, the same cannot be said in terms of teams. Now, Venturini Motorsports, co-owned by two-time series champion Bill Venturini and his wife Kathy and their son Billy, uh, they've won the Daytona ARCA 200 the last five consecutive years with drivers Michael Self, 
Harrison Burton, and Corey Heim. Now, Self won in 2018 and 20. Burton won also in 2020. Heim won in 21 and 22. Venturini has three additional Daytona wins, uh, two with John West Townley in 2013 and 16, and another one on the infield road course with Michael Self in 2020. A total of 41 different drivers have won the Arkham Menard Series races at Daytona. Nelson Stacy, Iggy Katona, Jack Bowser, Ralph Latham, Andy Hampton, Benny Parsons is a familiar name, Ramos Dott, Charlie Blanton, Ron Hutcherson, Lenny Pond, Woody Fisher, Jim Sauter, Kyle Petty, another big name, John Rezik, Tim Richmond, Joe Rutman, Farrell Harris, Rick Wilson, Lynn Sears, Grant Adcox, Ralph Jones, Mickey Gibbs, Ben Hess, Jimmy Horton, Jeff Purvis, Mike Wallace, Andy Hillenberg, Kenny Irwin Jr., Bobby Gerhardt, David Keith, Ryan Newman, Chase Montgomery, Kyle Bush, Michael Annette, James Busher, John West Townley, Grant Enfinger, Austin Terrio, Michael Self, Harrison Burton, and Corey Heim have had have all won at Daytona in the Arkham Art Series. So those are some big names in the uh, world of racing, and uh, many of you will recognize many of those names. And when it comes to the list of multi-time winners at Daytona, I mentioned Bobby Gerhardt with eight. Iggy Cantona has three. Uh, ben Hess, Jimmy Horton, Jeff Purvis, uh, Andy Hillenberg, John West Townley, Grant Infringer, Michael Self, and Corey Heim all have two. When we look at last year's race, going back to it, it was slowed uh, by caution five times for 27 laps. The race was run in an hour and 34 minutes, 39 seconds. The average speed of 126.783 miles per hour. Wow. Now, since 1979, the Daytona ARCA 200 has been won from the pole just seven times. Jeff Purvis did it in 1993, Andy Hillenberg in 97, Bobby Gerhardt again in 2005 and 2006, John West Housley in 13, Michael Self in 20, and Corey Heim in 2022. Bobby Gerhardt has won from the pole, and he's also won from the worst starting position at 42nd. Gerhardt's, Gerhardt's 2012 win came after starting last on the grid. That's amazing. Yeah, you can't talk about the Arkham and Ard series there at Daytona without talking a lot about Gerhardt. That's true. Now, the uh, Arca, Arkham and Ard series race record was set by the late Kenny Irwin Jr. Uh, his win in 1998 was at 153.191 miles per hour. The average running time of the Daytona ARCA 200 is 98 minutes and 33 seconds, and that translates to an average of 130.33 miles per hour for the average speed. Wow. Okay. Now, uh, the Arca Menard Series um, uh, made its inaugural visit to Daytona in 1964 
with three-time ARCA champion Nelson Stacy claiming the first ARCA race at the legendary 2.5-mile super speedway. In the years that followed, there were a number of familiar faces, as we've talked about, that have graced victory lane at the World Center of Racing, including some NASCAR Cup Series guys. All right, I'm not sure, Sharon, here where you jumped to. That was where my notes ended. Okay, I went over to the pit box. Uh, I'll just kind of get into it. I mentioned Benny Parsons, uh, the eight-time Cup Series winner, uh, Kyle Petty, the 13-time Cup Series winner, Tim Richmond. Uh, Kyle Busch is a two-time NASCAR Cup Series champion. The 18-time Cup Series winner, Ryan Newman, and the winningest driver in ARCA history at Daytona, you've said it, Bobby Gerhardt, who won the ARCA opener a whopping eight times between 1999 and 2012. Uh, We can um, jump down to uh, uh, the Venturini team, Jay, led by Billy Venturini. Are you still under the pit box, or are you on a different page? No, I'm in the pit box. Uh, the, the what to watch for. Okay, I'll go ahead and get into go, it here. Yeah, go um, ahead. I'm, I'm not. Billy Venturini has uh, been nearly untouchable for Daytona the last five years, starting in 2018. Uh, the team won the last five ARCA openers. Uh, We mentioned it earlier with Michael Self, Harrison Burton, and Corey Heim. This year, the Venturini program is led by Jesse Love, who will contest the full series schedule uh, in pursuit of the Arkham Menard Series Championship. At Daytona, he'll be joined by veteran Gus Dean, uh, returning driver Tony Breidinger, and team newcomer Amber Balkin. The rest of the field will look to DT. I was going to say, that would be where I'd want to jump in. Uh, I know we didn't come to the the entry list yet, yet, but being Gus Dean with the Venturini Motorsports, I'm excited (laughs) about that. So you you mentioned it. The rest of the field is going to look to dethrone Venturini Motorsports. Among them, you're going to have Joe Gibbs Racing. They're going to field the number 18 Toyota for Connor Mozak. And then Rhett Jones Racing uh, enters Daytona with the new driver, and that's actor and film star Frankie Munoz. He's going to pilot the num- team's number 30 at Daytona and beyond. So that one will be interesting to keep an eye on. It definitely will be. I'm, I'm hoping we can get him as a guest on the show somewhere throughout the season. Now, Rev Racing heads to Daytona with a pair of bullets uh, for rookie LeVar Scott and NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series competitor Jack Wood. Sean Corr, who led... Uh, laps 40, who has led laps, uh, 43 laps in 14 previous Daytona starts, is also back in pursuit of his first Daytona trophy. Mullins Racing also returns with two cars for team owner Willie Mullins and the young gun Brayton Laster. We've already talked about a couple of them, but five women are among those 41 entries for Saturday's race. Uh, Joining the aforementioned Breidinger and Balcane, Amandi Chick, Logan Misirica, and Natalie Decker. And then you got Christian Rose, and he'll begin his first full Arkham Menard Series season uh, with AM Racing at Daytona. Portugal's Miguel 
Miguel Gomes is going to make his ARCA debut driving for Young Motorsports. And Dale Quarterly, he's returning for another attempt at Daytona in his own number four Chevrolet. Some other notable entrants include Andy Jakowiak, Greg Van Alst, Tim Richmond, Bobby Robbie Lyons, John Garrett, Scott Melton, Jason Kitzmiller, and A.J. Moyer. Uh, so th- this is going to be uh, quite a group here uh, coming to Daytona this weekend. Uh, I think we've mentioned quite a few of the entries uh, on the entry list, uh, but let's go ahead and go from the bottom up and uh, see if we can make sure we touch on everybody. All right. Uh, the 06, uh, we did mention A.J. Moyer be driving for Wayne Peterson Chevrolet. And 03, that'll be Brayton Laster uh, driving for Alex Club Ford, the number 03. Now, in the 02 is Miguel Gomes. We, Gomes, we mentioned him. He's driving the Chevrolet for Young Motorsports. Uh, then we, in the 02 is Andres Perez de Lara from Mexico City, Mexico, uh, driving a Hillenburg Chevrolet. Her international drivers there. And then you got Jason Kitzmiller in the Robot Chevrolet, number 97. The number 93, that'll be uh, Caleb Costner, owned and driven. Uh, Chevrolet. Okay, Charles Buchanan is driving for his own team, uh, Chevrolet, in the number 87, and in the number 82 is Kevin Campbell driving uh, his own Chevrolet as well. Regular name we see when it comes to Daytona, the number 75 cell phone Chevrolet is Brian Desat, and Mandy Chick is in the number 74 owned by Steve Chick, and that'll be a Chevrolet. Okay, Andy Jakowiak is driving uh, the number 73 for Kevin Lapeer, and the number 69 will be driven by Scott Melton. As we know, that's a Bill Kimmel Ford. Another Bill Kimmel Ford is the number 68, a Gage Rogers. And in the number 66, there you have John Garrett, and that was a Hillenburg, Dustin Hillenburg listed as the owner of that Chevrolet. In the number 63 is uh, Logan Misaraka, and uh, she'll be driving uh, the Chevrolet for Paris Wixon. And for Steve Lewis, his own team, he'll be driving the number 62 Chevrolet this weekend. And Brian uh, Desat has also put a car on as an owner. The number 57 will be driven by Hunter DeShalte and Tony, Tony Breidinger in the number 55 Toyota for Venturing Motorsports. Patrick Emmerling is uh, fielding the number 53 for Natalie Decker this weekend. She'll be driving a Ford. And Brad Smith will be in his familiar number 48 Chevrolet for his team. Number 45, we've got a combination here with Tony Cosentino as the driver, Enrique Tamayo, <laughs> excuse me, listed as the owner. And moving up to the number 44, that is Jason White driving a Jeff McClure Chevrolet. And in the Bruce Cook, number 42 is Robbie Lyons uh, in that Chevrolet. And Ryan Huff will be driving a Ford for James Huff. Uh, team in that number 36. 
couple of regular guests here on Fan for Racing. The number 35 self-owned machine is Greg Van Alsten of Chevrolet. And then in the number 32 Ford, owned by Kevin Selinski, is Christian Rose. Frankie Muniz is driving that number 30 uh, for Mark Rett Ford. And in the number 27 is Tim Jones from Ottawa, Illinois, uh, for their own Toyota team. And this time they're lined up perfectly. I got the number 25 is Gus Dean for Renterini Motorsports <laughs> in, a, in a Toyota. My pick to win, in case you wanted to know. And he's going to have to be the teammate, though. Jesse Love is in the number 20 Venturini Toyota. Took the words right out of my mouth, Jay. <laughs> in, in the number 18, Connor Mosack uh, is driving the Toyota for Joe Gibbs Racing. And another Venturini car, the number 15, will be driven by Amber Balkin. Zach Heron, he'll be in the number 12 Toyota for Hillenburg. Um the number 11 out of West Fargo, North Dakota, coming close to hometown for me. That's a Hillenburg Toyota as well with Bryce Haugberg as the driver. In the Hillenburg Chevrolet will be Ed Pompa driving the number 10, and Sean Cora will be behind the wheel of his own team, uh, the number 8 Chevrolet. Another one of the regulars we see throughout the years, Eric Cottle driving his own number 7 Toyota. And then you mentioned Jack Wood, and that'll be a Max Siegel Rev Racing Chevrolet in the number six. Dale Quarterly will be behind the wheel of the Quarterly Chevrolet number four, and Willie Mullins will be driving uh, his own Chevrolet, the number three. And the number two, we saw this one vacated by Nick Sanchez, Rev Racing Chevrolet. I think it's one we had just seen the beginning of the talent of LeVar Scott. So he'll be carrying the Carney's Point, or coming from Carney's Point, New Jersey. Absolutely. Now, if there is uh, racing that will be taking place with the Arkham and Art Series East and the Arca West, uh, and they do have the schedules up over at arcaracing.com. The Arca East will be racing at Five Flags Speedway March 25th. That will be their season opener. Uh, then in April, they'll be racing at Dover Motor Speedway. May, they have two races scheduled at Nashville Fairground Speedway and Flat Rock Speedway. And in July, at Iowa Speedway. In August, there's two races at Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park. And on August 27th, at the Milwaukee Mile, they'll have their season opener in September the 14th at Bristol Motor Speedway. Jay, you want to cover the West Series? Well, the West Series uh, kicks off a little bit earlier with March 10th, and that'll be at Phoenix Raceway, a joint event there. And then they move to Irwindale Speedway in California on the 1st of April. The other April race, that'll be Kern County Raceway Park. We'll see a lot of photos, I'm sure, from uh, Sal Segala for, for those events. Then they got a gap. They go to June 2nd, which will be Portland International Raceway, Sonoma Raceway on June 9th, Moving into July, go back to Irwindale Speedway and Shasta Speedway towards the end of July, July 29th. And as they wrap up their season in August, mid-August, it'll be Evergreen Speedway, All-American Speedway on the 30th of September. 
Oh, they got more here. Sorry, that was more on the list than I thought. Two in October, mm-hmm. the 13th will be the Bullring at Las Vegas and Madera Speedway on October 21st, and then wrap up their season back at Phoenix Raceway on November 3rd. Yes, indeed. Uh, they start and end at Phoenix Raceway, uh, and they have quite a few races on the schedule. It's a little bit longer than the East schedule, uh, but uh, definitely worth watching all of these races between the Arca Menard Series and uh, the Arca East and West. Now, the Arca Menard Series has 20 races uh, that they run. Ten of those races will be part of the Sioux Chief Showdown, and uh, as the season progresses, we'll give you more details on that. But they are going. They start this weekend at Daytona. They will end with the Shore Lunch 200 on October the 7th at Toledo Speedway. So stay tuned for more details on this Arkham Menard Series schedule. I was gonna. I was gonna ask you that, Sharon. I wasn't finding a link for it uh, of the Sioux Chief Showdown races. Uh... They yeah, have they'll that come up the with the schedule here before too long. I got gotcha. you. Okay. Uh, we're going to go ahead and move on now to the Arkham Menard Series, uh, truck series. They will be racing at Daytona International Speedway. Uh, again, all of these races are season opening races. Uh, we're just going to start with the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series, the next era Energy 250 that races on Friday, February the 17th, starting at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. They will be televised on Fox Sports 1. Pre-race coverage starts at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. Radio coverage will be on MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. They'll be racing a distance of 250 miles over 100 laps. Stage one ends on lap 20, stage two on lap 40, and the last stage ends on the last lap, lap 100. So uh, let's start with that truck series and the big names that will be in this weekend's race. Well, you did it, and I know we got to work on it. It'll seem like uh, old times after a little bit, but it's the craft—I'm sorry, the yeah, the Craftsman Truck Series. So. Uh, make sure that's one of the things that's changed. We'll get to a few more, but some big names running in this Nextra Energy 250 uh, that are competing in the Daytona 500 will also be moonlighting here in the Nextra Next Era Energy 250. That's Hendrick Motorsports, Chase Elliott, Spire Motorsports is going to have Corey LaJoy, and 2311 Racing's Travis Pastrana. Now, Chase Elliott will jump behind the wheel of the number 35 McAnally Hildman Racing Chevrolet, and uh, there's a reason for that. We'll see if we hit that before we get done. Corey LaJoy, he's going to be in the number 7 Spire Motorsports Chevrolet, and Travis Pastrana, he's going to be in the number 41 Nice Motorsports Chevrolet. Okay. Uh, There's also some manufacturing swaps uh, to take note of in 2023. Three big names in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series have switched manufacturers for this season. They include Kyle Busch Motorsports. Uh, That's a big one. They're going to switch from Toyota to Chevrolet in 2023. As you know, he moved over to RCR, which runs Chevrolets, uh, and I'm sure that precipitated this move. 
Also, Tricon Garage, previously known as Team DGR, is switching from Ford to Toyota in 2023, another big name. And Thor Sport Racing is switching from Toyota to Ford for the 2023 season. In addition, Thor Sport Racing has signed 2022 NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series Most Popular Driver of the Year Award winner, Haley Deegan. She will pilot the number 13 Ford this season. Uh, Deegan has made two Truck Series starts at Daytona, posting an average finish of just 20.5. We'll see if she can do better with Thor Sport. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, and that's just some of the changes. But some things are remaining the same. Crafton and Menards are celebrating a 20-year relationship of driver, driver and primary sponsorship. Uh, Matt Crafton and Menards are celebrating their 20-year relationship as that driver and primary sponsorship on the truck. And that is the longest active driver and dr- primary sponsorship at a NASCAR National Series. Menards and Crafton began working together back in 2002. Together, they've made 496 consecutive starts, and they've posted three championships, 15 wins, and 132 top fives. Now, Crafton has made 22 series starts at Daytona, posting two top fives and eight top tens. Now, fans of the Triple Truck Challenge are going to be happy because it is returning for the 2023 season. It was introduced in 2019 as a three-race program that gives drivers in the NASCAR Truck Series an opportunity to win up to $500,000 in bonus money. The Triple Truck Challenge will award $50,000 bonus to the race winner of any one of the three events win two of the three races and pocket an additional 150000 And if you win all three, the drivers can collect a cool half million dollars. For the 2023 season, the Triple Truck Truck Challenge will be held at the following tracks. On May 26th at Charlotte Motor Speedway, June 3rd at Worldwide Technology Raceway uh, down near St. Louis, and on June 23rd will be the third race at Nashville Super Speedway. And that is quite the trio of tracks to be uh, looking for that money, so it'll be interesting to see who gets a shot at it. Always exciting races at all three of those tracks. Now, the 2023 Craftsman Truck Series Sunoco Rookie of the Year class. Uh, I feel honored to talk about this one. I know Sharon, you and I both get excited about this, so I got lucky with Mm -hmm. it. But this season, we got five drivers that are competing for the Sunoco Rookie of the Year honors in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series. We've been following all five of these drivers. That's right. Uh, yeah, I'm super excited about this rookie class right here. Raja Caruth, uh, Daniel Dye, I mentioned Nick Sanchez coming up, Jake Garcia, and Brett Holmes. Now, the Sunoco Rookie of the Year point system mirrors the point structure that awards the season-long championship, which includes both the stage points and playoff points, with the eventual Sunoco Rookie of the Year earning the most points throughout the season. As is the case with the season-long point structure, a race win will earn the Snoko rookie 40 points and five playoff points. 
Second place, uh, rookie, Sunoco rookie is 35 points. Third place, 34 points, and so on. And a Sunoco rookie who wins the stage will earn 10 points and then one playoff point. When we go with GMS Racing, they're going to have two of those rookies vying for the end of the year award this season in Rajah Karuth and Daniel Dye. Karuth will be piloting the number 24 Chevrolet with crew chief Chad Walter. And Daniel Dye, he's going to be in the number 43 Chevrolet. His crew chief is going to be Travis Sharp. Now, the newly formed Rev Racing will have the 2002 Arkham Menard Series champion, Nick Sanchez, moving up into that number two Chevrolet. His crew chief will be Danny Stockman. That's a tough combination right there. Mm-hmm. Ma- McAnally Hildman Racing is going to have Jake Garcia in the number 35 Chevrolet with crew chief Mike Hillman. Now, Garcia will make his first start at the 2023 of 2023 at Las Vegas Motor Speedway on March 3rd, the day of his 18th birthday. Uh, Due to NASCAR's age restriction at tracks larger than 1.25 miles, uh, Garcia is ineligible to compete in that season opener at Daytona International Speedway. And that's where Garcia is stead this weekend. It's going to be Chase Elliott in that number 35 at Daytona. But he will still be eligible for not just Rookie of the Year, but the overall championship. And then last, but certainly not least, Brent Holmes Racing, owner-driver. Uh, Holmes will compete for Rookie of the Honors in his family-owned team. He'll drive the number 32 crew chief, another very familiar name, Jerry Baxter. These guys got some solid crew chiefs behind them. They do. <laughs> it's going to be fun to watch. Also, the defending Truck Series champion, Zane Smith, is going to return to defend his Daytona victory this weekend. Uh, he's uh, returning to Daytona International Speedway to not only kickstart his 2023 season, but to defend his win from last year at Daytona and try become, to become the second driver in series history to win back-to-back races at that 2.5-mile super speedway. Now, Smith can accomplish that feat. He will join Todd Bodine who was able to do it in 2008 and nine as only the second driver to win consecutive races at Daytona in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series. Zane Smith has made three series starts at Daytona. He's posted one win last year, and that's all it says. Kind of trailed off there. I'd have known. The, I'd have known that trivia question that it was Todd Bodine. I wouldn't have known the years, but I would have known it was Todd Bodine, the only one to do it. Yep. Now, win streaks. Uh, we'll talk about that. Daytona produced its eighth consecutive different winner. Uh, we're talking about somebody trying to go back-to-back, but we're on a streak here. Since 2000, the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series has opened its season at Daytona International Speedway, and in the last seven races at the 2.5-mile track, the series has had seen seven consecutive different winners, begging the question, will we see an eighth different winner this year. The different winner streak started in 2017 with NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series Daytona winner Kaz Grala taking the checkered flag. That was followed by Johnny Sauter in 2018, Austin Hill in 19, Grant Infinger in 2020, Ben Rhodes did it in 2021, and then the aforementioned Zane Smith there in 2022. In total, 20 different drivers have won a NASCAR 
Craftsman Truck Series race at Daytona International Speedway. That's led by Johnny Sauter with three career victories in 2013, 16, and 18. And there are four former Daytona winners entered into this weekend's race. And Johnny Sauter with his three wins, Grant Infinger with one, Ben Rhodes and Zane Smith also with one apiece. Okay. Uh, Now, Craftsman officially is returning to the NASCAR Truck Series beginning this weekend. Uh, NASCAR and Stanley Black & Decker, the world's largest tool company and leader in outdoor equipment, announced last August that the American tool icon Craftsman would return as title sponsor of the Truck Series beginning this season. After serving as the season's series title sponsor from its inception in 1995 to 2008, NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series will make its homecoming at Daytona International Speedway on February the 17th. So in addition to the Truck Series title sponsorship, Stanley Black & Decker will further expand its presence in the sport, entering into a multi-year partnership designating the company and its iconic brands as the official tools partner of NASCAR and the official tools of all NASCAR-owned and operated tracks. The NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series title sponsorship includes exclusive brand integrations on vehicles, crew uniforms, tracks, and more. In addition to the branding of the Triple Truck Challenge and Championship Race Entitlement, it will also serve as a platform to support the launch of new products, amplifying seasonal promotions, and highlight the many ways Craftsman is building pride. Now, the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series 2023 season officially begins when the green flag drops for the next Era Energy 250 this Friday, February the 17th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Fox Sports 1, MRN, and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. So a lot to look forward to in that series. We're done a little bit early, but I think we're going to need all the extra time we can get when we get to the Cup Series. So let me go ahead and uh, preview the Xfinity Series so you know when to watch. Um, Beep, it's What's for Dinner 300 at Daytona International Speedway will be this Saturday, February the 18th at 5 p.m. Eastern Time. It will be televised on Fox Sports 1 starting at 4 p.m. Eastern, and radio coverage will be on MRN, Sirius XM, NASCAR Radio. They'll be racing a distance of 300 miles over 120 laps. Stage 1 and 2 are 30 laps apiece. Stage 1 ends on lap 30, stage 2 on lap 60, and the last stage is another 60 laps, ending on lap 120. So we've got a lot to look forward to in this series as well. Yeah, I get to start out with kind of a controversial one, but uh, one quick thing there on the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series, uh, to wrap that up real quick. It's great to see Craftsman back, but also we lost a great sponsor there. Uh, Mark and yes. Marcus Limonis and uh, Camping World Truck Series did a phenomenal job. Um, that's one of those bittersweet. Uh, I, I like, I know Sharon, we, we talked about this, but seeing Craftsman come back, but that also means we lost Camping World. I know they're still going to be involved in a lot of different ways, but I just wanted to give a shout out there. They did a phenomenal job with their sponsorship throughout the years. Yes, indeed, and there is no doubt in my mind that Marcus Lomonas is still a fan of NASCAR racing. Oh, that will never change. 
speaking of things changing, though, Cowboys change manufacturers, and he is set to run a select number of races in the Xfinity Series in 2023. It's going to be for Colleg Racing. They announced that Cowboy will be in the number 10 Colleg Racing Chevrolet and will run five Xfinity Series races this season, starting with his home track of Las Vegas Motor Speedway on March 4th. Uh, he'll also run Phoenix Raceway, Charlotte Motor Speedway, Watkins Glen International, and Darlington Raceway. Now, although Bush did not compete in the Xfinity Series the last season, uh, said he had retired, he's an all-times win leader in the series with 102 career victories. And that'll probably be one of the hot topics. I don't know if we'll get to today, but I know the fans have been in an uproar about it. Okay. Also, the Dash for Cash is returning in 2023. Uh, It was designed to add elements of unpredictability and drama leading up to and during four designated races. uh, They increase on-track competition and engage fans and reward and recognize the Xfinity Series regular competitors. Now, the Xfinity Series Dash for Cash will take place at four tracks this season, with the qualifier being at the Circuit of the Americas. Now, Richmond Raceway will be the first Dash for Cash race on April 1st. Then they'll move on at Martinsville Speedway on April the 15th, Talladega Super Speedway on a April the 22nd, and they'll conclude the Dash for Cash at Dover Motor Speedway on April the 29th. So uh, we can look forward to that during the April races. That one, too, is interesting. And I'll have to go back and look for the truck series, what the qualifying race is. This one intrigues me with the Circuit of America's being the qualifying for that first race. Uh, From there, it's game on. And that, too, is a wide range of uh, tracks there. So it'll be interesting. And with the new year for the Xfinity Series Sinoco Rookie of the Year class. Uh, Last year, four drivers competed for the NASCAR Xfinity Series Sinoco Rookie of the Year honors, Uh, but it was Austin Hill who snagged that title with his two wins, 11 top fives and 21 top tens. Now we're seeing some new yet familiar faces going to be vying for the 2023 title. We have Sammy Smith. Parker Retzlaff, Chandler Smith, and Blaine Perkins. Now, Sammy Smith, he'll be running this this season behind the wheel of the number 18 Joe Gibbs Racing Toyota. He made his Xfinity Series debut last season at Road America and went on to make another eight starts, posting a one top five and three top tens. He joins the Xfinity Series this season as the back-to-back Arkham Menard Finn in 2021 and 22. And he'll be working with crew chief Jeff Meandering this season. Parker Retzlaff, he'll be piloting the number 31 Jordan Anderson Racing Chevrolet uh, this weekend to kick off his quest for becoming the Snoko Rookie of the Year. He made his Xfinity Series debut last season at Richmond Raceway, where he did post a top 10. Retzlaff will be collaborating with crew chief Joshua Graham this season. Chandler Smith, he's going to be running behind the wheel of the number 16 Colleg Racing Chevrolet. Now, Smith is no stranger to winning the Snoko Rookie of the Year title as he won the honors in the 2021 in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series. 
And he comes into the season with three extreme all of which were last season with Sam Hunt racing. Posted one top ten at Homestead Miami Speedway. And he'll be working with crew chief Bruce Schlicker. Now, Blaine Perkins closes out this competition. He'll be driving the number 07 SS Greenlight Chevrolet. He made his debut in the series, Xfinity Series in 2021, coming at Phoenix Raceway. Made five starts last season, posting one top 10 finish. And Perkins, he'll be working with veteran crew chief Mike Hillman Jr. Okay, coming in hot, there's three previous winners that are entered this weekend at Daytona. Uh, It's a historic track that every driver wants to conquer, and three drivers are entered this weekend's Beef It's What's for Dinner 300. They include Justin Haley, Austin Hill, and Jeremy Clements. So Justin Haley joins a short list of drivers that have multiple Xfinity Series wins at Daytona with his 2020 and 2021 trips to Victory Lane. In total, he has eight starts at the track with those two wins. He also has three top fives and four top tens. Now, this weekend, he will be behind the wheel of the number 10 College Racing Chevrolet for his shot to add a third Daytona win to his resume. If he accomplishes the feat, he will be the sixth different driver to win three or more Xfinity Series races at Daytona. If so, he would join Dale Earnhardt with seven wins, Tony Stewart also with seven wins, Dale Earnhardt Jr. with six wins, Daryl Waltrip with three, and Randy LaJoy also with three. Austin Hill made headlines the last this time last year with his season-opening win at Daytona as a rookie with Richard Childress Racing. Now he's going to be back again this weekend with some experience under his belt and once again behind the wheel of that number 21 RCR Chevrolet. He'll, it'll be his fourth stint at the iconic Speedway. Daytona's most recent Xfinity Series winner is the veteran Jeremy Clements. He will be piloting the number 51 Jeremy Clements Racing Chevrolet for the 26th start at the 2.5-mile track. In his previous 25 starts, he posted one win, one top five, and three top tens. Well, and it's all about this kicking off the season. We talked about it at Daytona. And the beef, it's what's for dinner 300, is back to kick off the 2023 Xfinity Series season. And the wait is finally over. Now, all the drivers are well-rested and ready to kick off the 2023 season at Daytona International Speedway. Again, that'll be Saturday, February 18th, 5 p.m. Eastern, covered on FS1, MRN, and Sirius XM Radio. Now, last year's action-packed season opener proved that Daytona International Speedway is a place where anyone can find themselves in victory lane, as fans saw rookie Austin Hill take the checkered flag, holding off some Xfinity Series vets, A.J. Allmendinger and Noah Gregson, on that dash to the finish line. Now, this will be the 63rd Xfinity Series race at the 2.5-mile Daytona track. The inaugural NASCAR Xfinity Series race at Daytona was back on February 13, 1982, won by NASCAR Hall of Famer Dwight Dale Earnhardt. 
And he went on to win six more Xfinity Series races at Daytona. What didn't he win at Daytona? Uh, 1986, <laughs> 1990, 91, 92, 93, and 94. Now, there have been 42 different pole winners and 36 different race winners. Uh, we talked about him already. William Byron earning the title as the youngest winner in 2017. He was 19 years, six months, and one day old. And on the other end, Bobby Allison becoming the oldest winner in 1988. He was 50 years, two months, and 10 days old. Now, only five races have been won from the pole or first starting position, as most are recently done by Austin Sindrick in 2021. A few drivers are etched into the Daytona International Speedway Series record book. Uh, Jeff Bodine. Set the record in 1985 with a speed of 157.137 miles per hour. Tommy Houston holds the qualifying record uh, with his 1987 speed of 194.389 miles per hour. Front row Joe, Joe Nemechek, holds the record for the most poles at five, as well as laps completed at 3,526. Well, Dale Earnhardt and Tony Stewart are tied for the most Xfinity Series wins at seven each. Now, drivers for the Xfinity Series, they're going to hit the grid uh, for practice. That'll be Friday, February 17th at 4.35 p.m. Eastern, and that'll be followed by qualifying on Saturday, February 18th at 11.30 a.m. Eastern time. Okay, we are ahead of schedule, and that is a good thing because we have a – uh, googly gob of information. Uh, there is a lot of information here about the race that every driver dreams of winning, the Daytona 500, uh, in the NASCAR And, and that was series. a what, what of information, Sharon? <laughs> a googly gob. <laughs> that means a lot. All right, you go ahead and yeah, you go ahead and uh, start <laughs> us off with that. I'm going to Google that word. <laughs> Okay, well, the Daytona 500, the race all the drivers dream of winning, uh, will be at Daytona International Speedway this Sunday, February the 19th, starting at 2.30 p.m. Eastern Time. It will be televised on Fox with pre-race coverage starting at 1 p.m. Eastern. And, of course, radio coverage will be available at MRN and Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. They'll be racing that distance of 500 miles over 200 laps. Uh, the first the two stages are 65 laps each. Stage one ends at lap 65, stage two on lap 130. And the last stage will be 170 laps ending on lap 200. So uh, let's start with our googly gob of information here, Jay. I'm not even going to try and repeat <laughs> that. But, uh, but all right, give me a second. Recompose. Okay. Uh, Sharon, I've missed working with you. I really have. It has been a long <laughs> off season, so appreciate you, you coming make it strong fun. with it this first show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you mentioned it's a race they all want to win. It's all about winning an individual, but there are some uh, Cup Series featured matchups for the 2023 Daytona 500 that fans can bet on heading into this weekend's event. I get to scroll down and start with one that started already this year at the Clash carries over into last year, Ross Chastain versus Danny Hamlin. Are we going now, every other one, Jay? Or? Yeah, that, I figured so, yeah. 
Okay. All right. Uh, we got drama, fireworks, and hurt feelings. As I said, the 2022's <laughs> biggest rivalry was undoubtedly Denny Hamlin versus Ross Chastain. It was even Chastain's hail melon that ended Denny Hamlin's playoff run. Uh, the two championship contenders in 2023, without a doubt, uh, we're going to see more of the same at the biggest race of the year. Uh, tra- driver rating at the track since uh, 2020, Chastain holds a 68.4, Hamlin 95.1. And Hamlin's got a couple victories there. I'd have to give the edge to Hamlin on that one. All right. The next matchup is between Brad Keselowski and Martin Truex Jr. For two drivers who used to be seen, is used to seeing and grabbing checkered flags, 2022 was a winless campaign for both of these drivers. But Martin Truex started the season by winning the clash at the Coliseum. He may have some much-needed momentum leading into this 2023 season, but both drivers are searching for that first Daytona 500 win of their illustrious careers. Now, there's, uh, they do have driver ratings at the track since 2020, uh, and Keselowski has a driver rating of 78.3. Sounds pretty good until you notice that Truex is a little bit ahead of him, has a little bit of an edge at 80.5 or 80.6. I was going to give that one to Keselowski, but the driver rating kind of favors Truex. That one will be interesting. Pair of intriguing names, Jimmy Johnson versus Travis Pastrana. And, yes, this is for the Daytona 500. As I mentioned, two of the most intriguing names on the Daytona 500 entry list. Jimmy Johnson's looking to recapture glory for his third Daytona 500 win, while Pastrana will be making his first ever attempt at qualifying for the Great American Race. Now, Pastrana, who last competed in the NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series part-time in 2020, is going to be wheeling a number 67 Toyota for 2311 racing. And the driver rating... Johnson has a strong 90.4 since 2020, and that goes to Pastrana's not available because, again, it's his first shot at the race. So um, it's Daytona. Could happen, but you got to give the edge to Jimmy on that one. Okay. Our next matchup may have started with a bumper brush, uh, brush up between Austin Dillon and Bubba Wallace at the Clash, and they could have ramifications for these two drivers who often find themselves near the front of the field at super speedways. Now, the winner of the last race at Daytona, uh, Dillon won his way into the round of 16 last August. Wallace will be chasing his first Daytona win after finishing runner-up three times, including the Daytona 500 just last year. When we look at the driver rating since 2020, Wallace actually has the edge here with a driver rating at 85 compared to Dillon's 80.4. That one might be the overall closest coin flip because they are both good at these uh, super speedway races. Yes. The last one we're going to look at we talked about some of these changes that took place. It's Tyler Reddick versus Kyle Busch. Uh, would anything be sweeter than M&M's? Uh, for, sorry, I put that in there. Kyle Busch then to get his first Daytona 500 win with his new Richard Childress racing team in the number eight car. The same can be said for Reddick, 
who's in his first year now with 2311 racing in the number 45 car after a three-win campaign in 2022 with RCR. And driver rating at the track since 2020, Reddick has a 73.2, but Bush 94.4, and that's the highest we've seen. Uh, I think this might be the year for Bush. Okay, we'll have to see how that works out. Okay, now, uh, during the off-season, Stuart House Racing's Kevin Harvick made an announcement that he is retiring from full-time racing and instead will join the Fox Sports booth as a NASCAR TV analyst with Mike Joy and Clint Boyer. Uh, So this will be his final season. season. Heading into Harvick's uh, last season, he's amassed a career of 1,263 National Series starts, 790 starts in the Cup Series, 349 Xfinity starts, and 124 uh, Craftsman Truck Series starts. In the NASCAR Cup Series, he's made, uh, <clears throat> he's had 60 wins, 245 top fives, 430 top tens, and 31 poles. At Daytona, uh, the Cup Series driver has made 43 starts, putting up two wins, 11 top fives, and 16 top tens, including the 2007 Daytona 500. So uh, it's going to be fun watching him race his last season on the track. And I certainly look forward to him in the booth come 2024. (laughs) Already excited about that as far as the 2024 season. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, when we look at the Daytona 500, it's going to be Breland to perform the national anthem. Uh, Daytona International Speedway announced that platinum artist, songwriter Breland will sing the national anthem prior to the 65th running of the Daytona 500, Sunday, February 19th, bringing the fans, drivers, and teams together before the intense competition begins. Breland has emerged as a bold new force on today's music landscape since the release of his platinum smash, My Truck, which hit number one on Spotify's Global Viral 50 in 2019, and the remix featuring Sam Hunt landed him on the best of the year list from NPR to the New York Times. Okay, when it comes to sports, uh, a lot of people are familiar with the World Series, they're familiar with the Super Bowl. Uh, this is NASCAR's version of both of those events, only we start with the first race of the season. And they have a packed house. The Daytona International Speedway announced their eighth consecutive complete sellout at Daytona International Speedway for the 65th running of the Daytona 500 as NASCAR prepares to open its 75th anniversary in style. Following on the heels of the January announcement of a reserved grandstand and camping sellout, the Speedway has now sold out all ticket inventory for the Great American Race, including the UNOH fan zone admissions and all hospitality options. The Daytona 500 opens the Cup Series season this Sunday, February the 19th, and the sellout again is the eighth consecutive for the Great American Race. They also announced the 66th running of the Great American Race will take place this Sunday, uh, February the 18th, 
fans can begin renewing their tickets immediately and with an exclusive pre-sale options being available to ensure their place in history for next year's race. So, uh, wow, already uh, sales opening up for next year's Great American Race. Well, and I forgot, uh, you, you hit in there, too, this being the 75th. Uh, I like some of the stuff they've already done with that. I can't wait to see that throughout the year, this being the 75th anniversary of NASCAR. Yeah, absolutely. Now, we are going to have a major milestone, milestone alert. We've got consecutive seasons with a win, and that would be what is now Richard Childress Racing's driver, Kyle Busch, he has the opportunity this season to break the tie with NASCAR Hall of Famer Richard Petty for the most consecutive seasons with at least one victory in the NASCAR Cup Series at 18 seasons each. Petty's streak began in 1960 and ended in 1977, almost all with Petty Enterprises. A Bush's streak of consecutive NASCAR Cup Series seasons with a win started in his rookie year in 2005, at that time with Hendrick Motorsports, and he's managed over the course of his career to win at least one race each season. He moved to Joe Gibbs Racing in 2008, and now this will be his debut season for Richard Childress Racing. In 12 of Kyle Busch's consecutive 18 winning seasons, he put up multiple wins with a career-high eight wins uh, in the seasons of 2008 and 2018. Okay, another tradition of the Great American Race is the SAF Thunderbirds, who are set to perform a flyover before the green flag waves. In a signal that has become a symbol of the start of the NASCAR Cup Series season, the U.S. Air Force Thunderbirds will perform the flyover for the 65th running of the Daytona 500 this Sunday. This will mark the 13th consecutive and 14th over, overall time that the U.S. Air Force Demonstration Squadron, also known as America's Ambassadors in Blue, will perform their signature Delta Formation to kick off the Great American Race. It's a fan favorite flyover, and it also marks the start of the year of milestones that go beyond the 65th running of the Daytona 500. The Thunderbirds are also celebrating their 70th year in 2023, just as the NASCAR is celebrating their 75th anniversary. So uh, that's going to make it pretty exciting uh, to see two big milestones between NASCAR and the U.S. Air Force. Uh, It certainly will. I always love that tradition. Now, when we look at the Cup Series, the 2023 Sunoco Rookie of the Year class, only two drivers in this one, but that doesn't mean it is any less interesting or going to be any less intense. The two drivers that will compete for the Sunoco Rookie of the Year honors in the Cup Series, Ty Gibbs and Noah Gregson. Now, the Sunoco Rookie of the Year point system, again, mirrors the point structure that awards the season-long championship, including stage points and playoff points the eventual Sunoco Rookie of the Year, earning the most points throughout the season. And again, the case with the season-long point structure, race will earn the Sunoco Rookie 40 points and five playoff points, second place earning 35, third place 34, and so on. And the Sunoco Rookie wins a stage, will earn 10 points plus the playoff points. And these two have a history, and it's going to continue. we got Ty Gibbs. 
coming from Charlotte, North Carolina. The grandson of NASCAR Hall of Famer Joe Gibbs, talented young racer, been tapped to drive the number 54 Toyota this season with crew chief Chris Gale moving up with him in Joe Gibbs racing in the NASCAR Cup Series. Gibbs and Gale are fresh off winning the 2022 NASCAR Xfinity Series Championship together where the duo amassed seven wins. Now Noah Gregson hails from Las Vegas, Nevada. He has joined the recently formed Legacy Motor Club after an impressive 2022 NASCAR Xfinity Series season with Junior Motorsports. He finished runner-up in the points, but posted a season-high eight wins, including tying Sam Ard's record of four consecutive victories. The 24-year-old Gregson will wrestle the number 42 Chevrolet this season with crew chief Luke Lambert in his corner. Both Gibbs and Gregson have made starts at Daytona in the NASCAR Cup Series. Both posted their best finishes at the 2.5-mile track in last summer's summer race. Gregson was fifth, while Gibbs was 13th. Okay, for the season opener race, Martin Truex Jr. is bringing his broom to sweep the start of the season. After a big win at Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum in the Bush-like clash at the Coliseum last weekend, Joe Gibbs Racing's Martin Truex Jr. has an opportunity to add his name to some short list if he can continue his winning ways in Daytona. Truex is looking to become the first driver in the Cup Series history to win the Bush-like clash and then go on to win the Daytona 500 pole, the duo. The duel he will be entered in, and then the crown jewel, the Daytona 500, to start off the season. Only two drivers have come close to accomplishing that feat, winning everything but the clash. Cale Yarborough in 84, Bill Elliott in 85, won the Daytona 500 pole, won the dual race they were entered in, and then went on to win the Daytona 500 in the same speed weeks. Truex could also become the sixth different driver to win the Bushlight Clash and the Daytona 500 in the same season, including Bobby Allison, who did it in 82, Bill Elliott in 87, Dale Jarrett in 96, and again in 2000, Jeff Gordon in 97, and Denny Hamlin did it in 2016. Uh, I'm hoping that his win at the Coliseum uh, means a, a much better season for Martin Truex Jr. this year. Well, certainly the way to start it, for sure. Uh, pick up that momentum and uh, the positivity. You can see it in his face. Put last year behind him. Now, another one looking to uh, tie a record. That's Denny Hamlin, and he's trying to tail, tie Kale Yarbrough for second most of Daytona 500 wins. If the Joe Gibbs Racing's uh, Denny Hamlin, who's got victories in 2016, 19, and 20, wins the Daytona 500 this season, he will tie NASCAR Hall of Famer Kale Yarbrough, who has four in 1968, 77, 83, and 84 for the second most Daytona 500 victories all time with four each. Only six drivers all time in the NASCAR Cup Series have scored three or more Daytona 500 victories, and that's led by NASCAR Hall of Famer Richard Petty, always with the seven. He's got seven wins in the Great American Race in 1964, 66, 71, 73, 74, 79, and then 81. 
Then we get to Kale Yarbrough with uh, four and 68, 77, 83, and 84. Bobby Allison has three coming in 78, 82, and 88. Dale Jarrett's three came in 1993, 96, and 2000. Jeff Gordon in 1997, 99, and 2005. And then most recently, Benny Hamlin with 2016, 19, and 2020. Could also become the seventh driver to win three Daytona 500s this weekend. The seven-time NASCAR Cup Series champion has two Daytona 500 wins to his name, hoisting the trophies in 2006 and 2013. Okay. Uh, Now, there's one driver this weekend looking to join an elite list, and that's Joey Logano, the defending series champion. Uh, from Team Penske, driver Joey Logano has an opportunity to become the sixth different driver in series history to win the Daytona 500 as the defending series champion. Five reigning Cup Series champions have gone on to win the Daytona 500 the season after winning the championship. All now NASCAR Hall of Famers include Lee Petty, who did it in 1959, Richard Petty in 73, Cale Yarbrough in 1977, Jeff Gordon in 99, and Dale Jarrett did it in the year 2000. We've also got first-time winners. That's right. Daytona, it happens. First-time Cup Series winners at Daytona happen often. Uh, They always say you remember the first time in Daytona International Speedway has been known for making the memories that last in the NASCAR Cup Series. In total, 17 drivers, different drivers, have scored their first NASCAR Cup Series career pole at Daytona International Speedway, and 23 different drivers have won their first race in the NASCAR Cup Series at the 2.5-mile track. Our Daytona International Speedway has seen a first-time winner in at least one of its NASCAR Cup Series races in the last five consecutive seasons as well, from 2018 to 2022. Uh, in 20, or for poll winners, let's see how this chart set up. Okay, poll winners are on the left. Uh, first time poll winners, William Byron in 2019, Chase Elliott in 2016, Austin Dillon in 14, Danica Patrick did it in 13, Paul Menard in 2008, Greg Biffle in 2004, Jimmy Johnson in 02, as well as Kevin Harvick, Mike Skinner in 97, Dale Jarrett in 95, uh, Loy Allen Jr. in 1994, Sterling Marlin in 91, Greg Sachs did it in 1990. Going back to 1982, it was Jeff Bodine, Ramos Stott in 1976, uh, Charlie Glotzbuck in uh, 1968, and Daryl Derringer in 1964. When we look on the win side of the list, uh, first-time race winners, most recent, 2022, Austin Sindrick. The year before, Michael McDowell. In 2020, it was William Byron, Justin Haley in 2019, and Eric Jones in 2018. So there's your streak of five. Um, backing up to 2014, it was Eric Almarola. David Reagan did it in 2011 along with Trevor Bain. 2003, it was Greg Biffle. Michael Waltrip in 2001. Uh, John Andretti got his in 1997. Jimmy Spencer in 1994, along with Sterling Marlin. 
1990. Remember this one, Derek Cope. Uh, Greg Sachs did it in 1985. Pete Hamilton in 1970. Into the 60s, it was Mario Andretti in 67. Earl, Bar- Earl Balmer in 66, along with Sam McQuaig. A.J. Foyt in 64, along with Bobby Isaac. Johnny Rutherford and Tiny Lund were the two that did it in 1963. Of the 64, you want to go ahead and do the first time, Daytona. Yeah. Go ahead. Okay, you want me to keep going? Yep. Okay. Of the 64 Daytona 500 races in the books, nine times the drivers posted his career, first career NASCAR Cup Series victories with a win in the event. Uh, the most recent, again, to accomplish the feat was Team Penske's Austin Sindrick last season. And these go from the other way. In 1963, it was Tiny Lund, Mario Andretti in 67, Pete Hamilton in 70, Derek Cope got his in 1990, Sterling Marlin in 94, Michael Waltrip in 2001. And there's a 10-year gap when Trevor Bain did it in 2011. Another 10-year gap to Michael McDowell in 2021. But then Sindrick followed it up in 2022. Now, three other drivers have posted their first career, career first NASCAR Cup Series victories in a points-paying qualifying race at Daytona. Uh, Johnny Rutherford in 1963, Bobby Isaac in 64, and Earl Balmer in 1966. When we look at the entry list for this season's Daytona 500, 15 drivers will be attempting to earn their first series win this weekend. Harrison Burton, Connor Daly, Ty Dillon, Ty Gibbs, Todd Dillon, Noah Gregson, Riley Herbst, Austin Hill, Corey LaJoy, B.J. McLeod, uh, Travis Pastrana, Ryan Priest, Chandler Smith, Zane Smith, and then Cody Ware. Okay. Now, one of those drivers, Austin Sindrick, is hoping to join Sterling Marlin in a very rare achievement. Team Penske's Austin Sendrick returns to Daytona as the defending Daytona 500 winner this weekend, and he's hoping to add his name to a list of multiple Great American Race winners. If he does win this weekend, he's going to join Sterling Marlin, who won in 94 and 95, as just the second driver in Cup Series history to score their first two wins in the Daytona 500. Last season's Daytona 500 victory was Austin Sindrick's very first Cup Series win, and in doing so, he became the first rookie in Series history to win the event. Uh, Pretty exciting to see him do that last year. Uh, Even more exciting if he can make it two in a row. Well, there is no greater victory than that of the great American race. Uh, Known as the biggest race in NASCAR, the Daytona 500 holds a special place in every stock car driver's hearts. It's an instant catapult to fame for the victor. It's the pinnacle of a racer's career, the crowning achievement that all other drivers aspire to possess, and fans and the media admire. The NASCAR Series season opener is unlike any other event and holds the prestige among its competition due to its ever-difficulty ever-changing difficulty to master, much less finish. And this year's Great American Race undoubtedly bring all the action excitement we've all grown to love and feverishly anticipate. When we look at a total, we've got 41 different NASCAR Cup Series drivers have won a Daytona 500, and seven of the 41 are active this weekend. When we look at active drivers, we've got Denny Hamlin, who's got the three wins. 
Jimmy Johnson, I mentioned him with two. And then Austin Sindrick, Michael McDowell, Austin Dillon, Joey Logano, and Kevin Harvick each have one. And I know I had Hamlin's years and Johnson, Sindrick's, uh, McDowell. Austin Dillon got his in 2018, Joey Logano in 2015, and Kevin Harvick back in 2007. I mentioned this, uh, NASCAR Hall of Famer Richard Petty leads the NASCAR Cup Series at Daytona 500 victories with the seven trophies. Richard's father, Lee Petty, won the inaugural Daytona 500 on February 22, 1959, and led 38 laps and won by two feet in an Oldsmobile. There's your history lesson for this section. Now, of the active drivers, it's Joe Gibbs Racing's Denny Hamlin, as he leads those with his three trophies, the team Penske's Austin Sindrick, the defending race winner coming uh, in his rookie season last year to this notable event, and NASCAR Hall of Famer Lee Petty, who won that inaugural at Daytona 500 in and Trevor Bain, the 2011 Daytona 500 champion, are the only two drivers to win the race in their first appearance. Okay, remember with that word googly on? We <laughs> are probably not going to be able to get everything in at this point with less than 10 minutes to go. Or actually, we're at 8 minutes now. So we're going to give you the Reader's Digest version, Jay, uh, for the remainder of our, our googly gob of information here. Okay, dueling for a good spot at the Daytona 500 on Thursday uh, that's tomorrow night. Uh, Cup Series drivers that do not qualify on the front row, first and second for the Daytona 500, will have the chance to compete for their starting position in the Great American Race in the Blue Vacation Duels, starting at 7 p.m. on Fox Sports 1, MRN, and Sirius XM Radio. There'll be two 60-lap, 150-mile qualifying racers, and the qualifiers will be divided up evenly into each dual event depending on their qualifying spot. Now, this season, 42 teams are vying for just 40 spots. 36 of the 40 spots are already taken by charter drivers, leaving just six spots up for grabs for the open teams. Now, the open teams hoping to make this that uh, Daytona 500 this year include Legacy Motor Club, the number 84 driver, Chevrolet with Jimmy Johnson, 2311 Racing's number 67 with Travis Pastrana, and Beard Motorsports in the number 62 Chevrolet with Austin Hill. TMT Racing's number 50 with driver Connor Daly, and Front Row Motorsports number 36 Ford with Drazane Smith and Finally, Colleague Racing's number 13 Chevrolet with driver Chandler Smith. Uh, so that's all I'm going to say about that one. Let's go ahead and go to the next one. Well, the hot streak is for the Chevrolet looking for 11th consecutive pole. Uh, keep that streak alive as they make, the, make it 11 straight. Going back from 2022 back to 2013, Kyle Larson, Alex Bowman, Ricky Stenhouse, William Byron, Alex Bowman, Chase Elliott, and Chase Elliott, Jeff Gordon, Austin Dillon, and Danica Patrick all contributed to that streak. The longest prior streak was four by Pontiac, and then Chevrolet, and from 1960 to 63, Chevrolet did it again in 08 to 2011. 
total poles uh, led by Chevrolet, seven different manufacturers, but led by Chevrolet with 30. Ford has 12, Pontiac 8, Mercury 5, Dodge Head 4, Oldsmobile 3, and Plymouth 2. Okay, and just a refresher for everybody on how the Daytona starting lineup is decided. Uh, setting the field is unlike any other race this season. It'll start with single car qualifying tonight at 8 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. Uh, there'll be two rounds with top 10 qualifiers in round one moving on to the second round. The fastest two cars in round two will lock in as the front row starters for Sunday's Daytona 500. Now, the rest of the starting grid will be decided by the blue-green vacation duels. The first, uh, first, the single-car qualifying results will set the lineups for the blue-green vacation duel races based on Thursday evening. Um, races on Thursday evening. Cars finishing first, third, fifth, seventh, etc. In other words, the odd number finishers in single-car runs will comprise the field for duel one. The cars in even-numbered finishing spots uh, in single-car qualifying will comprise the field for Duel 2. Then the results from the duels will set the starting lineup for the Daytona 500. If more than 40 cars are entered for the race, the two fastest open cars without a charter in single-car qualifying will lock their way into the race, regardless of results in Thursday's duel. The final two spots of the 40-car field will be determined by the best finishers in those qualifying races. Well, we look at Alex Bowman. He's looking to extend a record streak, and that's starting on the front row. The Hendrick Motorsports driver has uh, starts lined up on the second, or started in the front row starting in 2022. He was second, the pole in 21, second in 2020, and 19, the pole in 2018. Prior to Bowman reaching these five, previous record for front row starts was three, done five times by Fireball Roberts, Richard Petty, Bill Elliott, Ken Schrader, and Dale Earnhardt. When you think about that, that front row has its perks. You lock into the race, your chances of winning are higher. There's 16 of the 64 Daytona 500s, which is 25%, one from the front row, nine of those from the, front, uh, from the pole are first starting position. Okay, now winning the pole in last year's Daytona 500 was Kyle Larson. He's hoping to make it back-to-back poles coming into this race this weekend. So if Larson pulls off that beat, he'll join Fireball Roberts, Buddy Baker, Bill Elliott, Ken Schrader, and Chase Elliott as the sixth different driver to win back-to-back poles for the Daytona 500. Well, and we talked about the importance of that qualifying on that front row. Uh, that winning percentage of the first starting percentage is 14.06. The most recent driver to win the 500 from the pole is Dale Jarrett in 2000. Uh, the others that done it, Fireball Roberts, Richard Petty, Cale Yarbrough, Buddy Baker, Cale Yarbrough again, Bill Elliott had a pair, Jeff Gordon, and Dale Jarrett. Okay. Uh, locked in qualifying on the front row of the Daytona 500 has its benefits. 
so the Bushlight qualifying for the Daytona 500 on Wednesday, that's tonight at 8 p.m. on Fox Sports 1. The fastest two drivers in that event uh, will be the Bushlight pole qualifying will be locked into the Daytona 500. Now, while some competitors will argue that starting their spot is of no consequence in the Daytona 500, the pole position is the most proficient starting spot, producing more winners, nine, than any other spot. So uh, this is going to be a big deal, uh, trying to get that top spot uh, for the race on Sunday. Well, it looks like we got two more sections. I'll see if I can get this first one in as we spotlight some fresh faces in new places. Uh, kind of shuffled up the deck. Quick run through. We talked about 2311. They tapped Tyler Reddick into the number 45 Toyota alongside Bubba Wallace in the number 23. Uh, Travis Pastrana going to be behind the wheel of the number 67, at least for the 500, maybe some other races. Richard Childress Racing. They swung for the fences. Got Kyle Busch. He'll be in the number eight to replace Tyler Reddick, uh, teaming up with Austin Dillon in that famous number three. Uh, talked about Legacy Motor Club. Uh, they rebranded and kind of restacked everything for 2023. Eric Jones will return to the number 43, but you got Noah Gregson moving up into the number 42. And now Jimmy Johnson going to make some starts in the number 84 uh, as a, on a part-time basis, and he joined as a owner as well. Uh, moving up from the Xfinity Series, Ty Gibbs, he's moved into the number 54 Toyota, joining Denny Hamlin, Christopher Bell, and last to a weekend's 2023 Bush Light the Coliseum winner, Martin Truex. College Racing, uh, they made a big change. I.J. Allmendinger are going to run full-time, along with then Justin Haley in the number 31. Uh, Almadinger in the number 16. Another one, a team adding a team, Spire Motorsports. Corey LaJoy is going to have a teammate in Ty Dillon. He'll be in the number 77. LaJoy will continue in the number 7. And last, Stuart Haas Racing. Uh, they've called upon Ryan Priest, going to take over the number 41. Uh, he'll join Chase Briscoe in the 14, Eric Almarola in the 10, and veteran Kevin Harvick in his final season in that number 4. Okay, we're at the top of the hour, Jay, and actually one minute passed, and it is time for us to move on to our NASCAR Hot Topic Sound Off. And as we mentioned earlier, joining us for that discussion is none other than Michael Orzel. Welcome to the show, Mike, and welcome to 2023. Hello! Great to be back. (laughs) Happy New Year, and more importantly, happy new NASCAR season to everybody. Yes, indeed. Um, you're, you're joining us, so I'm going to let you kick us off with our first hot topic. Well, Jay kind of touched on it a little bit with uh, some of the fresh faces coming in for the Daytona 500. Uh, they always bring in drivers we don't see all the time coming into uh, to Daytona. He mentioned Jimmy Johnson in the 84, Travis Pastrana in the, uh, in the 67, uh, but there's also some uh, other drivers coming in. Uh, we have Connor Daly who's going to be racing for the money team mm-hmm. in their number 50. Uh, and then in the truck series, Travis Pastrana, interestingly, is going to be running a Chevrolet in the truck series uh, with Nice Motorsports. Chase Elliott is going to be running the truck series in the number 35 with uh, McAnally Hilgeman. Uh, so a lot of interesting faces. How do we think these guys are going to do in these races? All right, Jay. 
your thoughts? Well, it, it's Daytona, and, and I think back, uh, and I haven't uh, been a race fan as long as, I don't know, I can I don't think I can say as long as Mike. I might be out, outmatch him, but uh, in the years I remember, I think back to when there were 43 starting spots for the Daytona 500, you used to get 50 entries, and then it would drop down to 45, 44 that ran the whole season. That's part of that great American race. I mean, you talk about it the, back in the day. Mario Andretti did it just because he could. A.J. Foyt, just for that race. So I like that we're kind of seeing that come back where we have that many more entrants for the Daytona 500 than we have starting spots. I know it sucks for some because that means they're not going to make it, but I like that uh, enthusiasm. When you talk about it as far as possible winning, it's Daytona. Anything can happen. We went through the first-time winners, uh, dark horses. I know... uh, one of the Sirius XM radio shows this week talking about dark horse winners of who could pull that off, especially going back to the next gen car. Uh, it could happen. We saw a rookie win it last year. So I, I wouldn't put them as heavy favorites in some of these, but I really believe some of them really got a legitimate shot. So I'm excited about it. it I, and that's part of the fun of Daytona. We talked about some of the ones that have multiple wins, but there's always that chance. And, I mean, I think about Michael McDowell, a driver that's been around for so long to get his first victory and it be in the Daytona 500. I mean, we, we read it in there somewhere. It, that alone can define a career. Well, look at Austin Sindrick, who won his rookie race at the Daytona 500. Uh, anything can and will happen uh, this weekend. But I'm not sure, Mike, were you talking about just for this race or for the overall season? Well, primarily for this race, most of those guys are going to be part-time. Travis Pastrana, Jimmy Johnson, uh, for example. Uh, Connor Daly, I believe, is just for the Daytona 500. So really we're talking about their potential at Daytona, I would say. Okay. So uh, Jay is absolutely right. Just about anybody. uh, I think uh, Tony Stewart said it best when he said a monkey can get behind the wheel at Daytona and win the Daytona 500. So – just about anybody can win that race. Uh, it's who's put in the preparation and uh, uh, done everything that they can to be in the best position to go after that victory. Uh, Kyle Bush is certainly the veteran of the group. Uh, he's moving over to RCR. I think he has a good chance. Um, there's also drivers that are looking for their first win at the Daytona 500. Some of the, some of the veteran drivers, uh, there's a few. Martin Truex, I know, is one of them that's never won at Daytona yet. So uh, although it's, it seems like it's easy and just about anybody can and has won, uh, even the veterans, there are some veterans that haven't won there yet. So it's going to be interesting to watch. Um, I'm anxious to see what Noah Gregson does. He's usually pretty good at uh, Daytona. Uh, and I want to see how well he does uh, in that uh, legacy motor club <laughs> machine uh, that he's going to be driving. Uh, Ryan Priest is another driver, I think, to watch in this race at Stuart Hawes Racing. Uh, Eric Almarola, Kevin Harvick uh, starting the inaugural race of his uh, retirement season. Uh, I know he's going to want to win before he gets into the Fox Sports broadcast uh, booth next season. Uh, Jimmy Johnson is Daytona, so it's going to be interesting to see what 
Jimmy Johnson does uh, in his Legacy Motor Club 84. Um, there are a lot of drivers to keep an eye on this weekend. Corey LaJoy has come close to winning the Daytona 500. Sometimes this race is a matter of attrition and who's able to survive uh, to make it to the end, ending laps. So we've certainly seen that happen at Daytona. So uh, it's going to be a fun race to watch, as it always is. Uh, one of the most anticipated races of the season is this first race after having uh, the off season, and uh, we know they're already sold out across the board at Daytona this weekend. So I know a lot of fans will be watching from home as well. Mike, what are your thoughts? There's definitely going to be a lot of eyes on a lot of guys this weekend. Uh, probably a lot of chatter around Jimmy Johnson, seven-time champion, returning back from a couple of years in the IndyCar series. Uh, multiple wins at Daytona, multiple wins at Talladega. However, I would caution Jimmy Johnson fans, remember when Jeff Gordon got back in the car after only six months mm-hmm. away. There is a bit of a learning curve where even a seven-time champion may struggle to get back up to pace. Yes, Daytona is a bit of a wild card and anything can happen. However, I don't expect Jimmy Johnson to necessarily be back in seven-time champion form right out of the gate. I would assume the Legacy Motor Club cars are going to be fairly decent this year. The 43 especially was very good last year, especially towards the end of the season with Eric Jones picking up a win at the Southern 500 and contending at several other races. Jimmy Johnson, I'm not going to write him off. However, he's not my favorite out of – if I was going to pick any of the potential – one-off cars that has a chance, a real good chance at winning this race, it would actually be Travis Pastrana in the 2311 number 67. Travis did run a couple uh, NASCAR races uh, several years ago. He's got a little bit of stock car racing experience, but obviously uh, his uh, his experience mostly comes from other disciplines of motorsports. But that 2311 car, I think, is going to be a very strong contender. Toyota has a very focused program, and I think they're going through a little bit of a reinvigoration and reinvention, trying to move past the Kyle Busch era. And we know Denny Hamlin has been very successful at Daytona in the past with three consecutive Daytona 500 wins at one point. I think that the Travis Pastrana in the number 67-2311 car is probably going to be a strong contender this coming weekend. Um, as far as the money team with Connor Daly, I really like Connor Daly. He's an outstanding IndyCar driver. He's great in the booth for SRX races. I wish he was going to be in a stronger car. Yes, anything can happen at Daytona, but historically these one-off teams that don't really have a strong backing, there's a big difference between a one-off team adding a car to an established team like Legacy or 2311 versus something like the money team where they only show up to a handful of races every single year. And we look at how that car did last year with Kaz Grawla behind the wheel. They had mechanical issues. They weren't necessarily on the pace most of the time. I wish the best for Connor Daly. I really hope he does well, but unfortunately I'm concerned he may struggle. One notable omission from this weekend that's unfortunate is Helio Castroneves. There was a lot of talk about Helio trying to get a ride for the Daytona 500, but unless we see some sort of shocker this afternoon where he shows up to qualifying with a previously unannounced race or unannounced car, it sounds like uh, Elio is going to have to wait till maybe next year to get his shot at the Daytona 500. In the truck series, Chase Elliott in the number 35, I think, may be a contender. He's very strong at restrictor plate style racing. Uh, two wins at Talladega and has always been in contention at Daytona 
uh, finished second to Michael McDowell uh, the year that McDowell won that race. Uh, Elliott is obviously going to be a contender in the truck series, but don't look past Corey LaJoy. He's going to be running the number seven Spire Motorsports truck in the truck series race. And I think Corey LaJoy may be a strong contender for a one-off kind of a showing to win the Daytona truck series race on uh, Friday. Okay. Uh, my, Jay, your follow-up. Well, Mike, I know you're not in the military no more, so I just got to say this. You've got to stay off crack, and I've missed this discussions with you. Uh, you made some <laughs> valid points with Travis Pastrana, but I, how can you disregard Jimmy Johnson? Uh, that team has shown Legacy Motor Legacy Motor Club. Make sure I get that right, so it might can't fire back at me. Uh, the team you got Todd Gordon as crew chief. Jimmy Johnson has two two Daytona 500 wins. That team has shown, as the teams that, that have underfunded in years past, can make a shot at, have a shot at it when it comes to super speedway racing. Um, so, but I, I like I said, you made some valid points with 2311. If I were picking one out of that group, I think I'm going with Bubba Wallace though from that organization. Uh, we read through some of his stats, a multi-time runner-up to include last year. Um, overall out of that, I would still have to say, I think Jimmy Johnson is the one, um, that's going to do it as far as those one-off races. Um, but you never know. Uh, I do like Chase Elliott. I know a lot of times, especially for these Daytona races, you don't see a lot of the cup drivers going into Xfinity or trucks. And I look back to Kyle Busch, what was it, in 2015, got hurt in the Xfinity Series race in Daytona, and it cost him the first 15 races of the year. So I think Daytona is one of those where they kind of shy away from that. But uh, it's great to see. I just love the amount of attention we get uh, added to what is already the great American race. Uh, Like I said, having these drivers show up, even if it is for that one race of the year, it just adds to that excitement and the possibility. So the possibility is there. It absolutely is. And one thing I want to remind everybody is that Austin Sindrick, again, was a rookie last year when he went out there and won this race. One of the other things that I think we need to take into consideration, and I give it to the people that have driven this car last year, I give them a little bit of an edge uh, because this is a new car. So people like Jimmy Johnson are probably going to have to go through a little bit of a learning curve with this new uh, generation of car in the NASCAR Cup Series. Uh, People like Noah Gregson, uh, who has driven the Xfinity Series cars, uh, this is a big transition. We've seen uh, some of the drivers... uh, have a difficulty making that transition. Last year, we kind of gave the edge to the new guys that were coming into the car, had never driven the old NASCAR Cup Series cars, uh, and that proved to be the case. We had 19 different winners last year because some of the veterans had trouble making that adjustment. Now, toward the end of the season, they got a little bit better at it, uh, and they've had that one year of experience under their belt. So, Uh, I think drivers like Travis Pastrana, like Jimmy Johnson, are going to probably go through that learning curve uh, getting into the car this weekend. Uh, I think the drivers that are going to have a little bit less of a challenge 
uh, is going to be the drivers uh, that are uh, that have already had that one year under their belt. Uh, the other thing that um, uh, we might want to take into consideration is that. Um, Shoot, I lost it that quick. I had another point I wanted to make, and I forgot it already. But um, uh, these guys, uh, anything can happen. (laughs) So Jimmy Johnson, uh, maybe his experience in in IndyCar is going to help him make that transition into the new car for NASCAR. Um, Maybe... Uh, maybe Travis Pastrana's experience in the other uh, venues are going to help him in this new generation of cars in the Cup Series. Uh, but I, I really think it's the people that have got the year under their belt that are sitting in new seats, like uh, maybe even a Kyle Busch, who's now at RCR. He's driving a Chevrolet. Keep in mind, too, that was the other point I wanted to make. Chevrolet made a change to their new nose. Was it Chevrolet or Ford that made the change to their nose? But they made a change to their nose of this next generation car. And um, some of the drivers that are driving in those cars are, are going to be able to uh, do the drafting exercise a lot more proficiently than they were able to do last year. So, those are just some other points that I wanted to make that you, when thinking about this, you might want to take into consideration uh, when figuring out who that person is going to be. But I would give the edge to people like Jay said, Bubba Wallace, uh, Kyle Busch, those drivers that have had that year of experience in this car, I think are going to have a little bit of an advantage over um, somebody who's maybe driven the stock car before and coming back uh, and making that adjustment to this new uh, generation of stock car. So, Mike, you get the final word. Well, isn't this what's great about Daytona? Every single time we roll into Daytona, particularly the Daytona 500, you've got 40 to 45, however many cars decide they're going to enter for any given year. And no matter who they are, no matter what car they're driving, no matter what team they're driving for, You can come up with a list of 10 to 15 different ways where they're going to win this race. Everyone else should pack it up and go home. And you can come up with just (laughs) as many reasons where these guys don't have a chance. They're out of here. They're not even going to make the show. That's what I love about the Daytona 500 is that it's just so wide open, literally and figuratively, where really anybody does have a chance to, to race. It's a fresh season. There's a lot of changes. There's no momentum going into the Daytona 500. It's everything is what you make of it. And that's what I really, really love about the Daytona 500 is how big and how new and how unexpected it is. And I can't wait to see it on track this weekend. Absolutely. Uh, Jay, you get our next hot topic. What's it going to be? Well, I don't think we had enough of a disagreement in that one, so we're going to go with the new one of <laughs> Kyle Busch returning to the Xfinity Series after he promised he wouldn't or said he wouldn't. Doing uh, what did okay. uh, read, we read five five races for college racing? Okay, your thoughts. So, yeah, so much for retirement, huh? I guess Kyle Busch is not going to hang it up. He hung up his Toyota fire suit is, is what it was. That was the, the fine print in his retirement as he was done driving Toyotas in the Xfinity Series, apparently. What I find really interesting here, though, is 
Richard Childress Racing has an Xfinity Series program. They've got Sheldon Creed in the two car, uh, and I believe Austin Hill is coming back full-time in the other RCR entry for the Xfinity Series. But Kyle Busch will not be racing an RCR Xfinity Series car, despite being a full-time driver for RCR in the Cup Series. Kyle Busch is going to be racing with a, uh, in a colleague racing car. I find that to be really interesting. Usually you don't see a lot of crossover from – one driver from one major team going and driving a car from another major team. You'll see it occasionally where a driver from a major team in the Cup Series will go and drive a lower-tier team uh, in the Xfinity Series, usually for funding purposes or uh, visibility for that team. We saw it a lot with the uh, the big machine racing car in the Xfinity Series last year where they had drivers like Chase Elliott, Alex Bowman, and others come in from other Chevrolet teams to drive that big machine car, and that's more common. What you don't see is one big-name team driver coming and driving a car for another different big-name team. And it really raises the question of how much of an alignment is there between Colleague Racing and Richard Childress. We know there's a bit of an agreement and, uh, and cooperation there, but it seems like it might be pretty deep if they're sharing Kyle Busch. Um, I would obviously expect him to be a contender in any race that he enters in the Xfinity Series. Uh, Kyle Busch is the winningest driver in that series ever. Uh, obviously, there's always in a JGR Toyota, which is a phenomenal car any given weekend. But I don't expect the Colleague cars to be any further off the pace than the, the JGR cars. Colleague has been a very competent Xfinity Series team for many years, and I don't see any reason to think that Kyle Busch won't be just as, if not more, successful in that car. Interesting to see, that's for sure. Okay. Or I guess it's my turn. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, you know, there's a lot that uh, is happening here with Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch uh, also has Kyle Busch Motorsports, uh, and it's about Chevrolet. Uh, he is now, uh, again, dropping Toyota, moving over to Chevrolet. And uh, so it's a reciprocal relationship that I think is happening here. Kyle Busch probably wants as much seat time behind the Chevrolet as he can get. Now, there's not a lot, uh, as we've learned last year, that translates from the Xfinity Series to the Cup Series. But think about what Kyle Busch can offer to both of those teams, not just RCR and, and the Cup Series, but to Colleague Racing in the Xfinity Series. Uh, what a great mentor, uh, especially when you're bringing in new drivers in those Colleague Racing cars uh, for Kyle Busch to be there to kind of help those teams along. So I think that there is a partnership there that is taking place. I think that um, they have been affiliated in the past, and they're still affiliated, uh, and Kyle Busch is a part of that equation, uh, no ands, ifs, or buts about it. Um, and uh, I, I think that uh, he's, he's there to learn, but he's also there to share knowledge uh, because he is the winningest driver in the Xfinity Series. I have no issue with him coming back into the Xfinity Series. Uh, I know some people are a little bit upset about it. Um, I think that that probably was a stipulation that he made with uh, Toyota. He's not with Toyota anymore. He is with Chevrolet now, and it's a new ball game. 
So I know that drivers in particular, the fans don't like it, but the drivers love it when Kyle Busch imparts his knowledge to them and is on the racetrack with them. Those drivers, it means everything to them when they can develop their skills and beat Kyle Busch on the track. And and that's what we're going to see happening. It's going to elevate Finity Series, having Kyle Busch in that series. I wish it was more races, but it is for a select number of races. And he will have an impact because we've seen over the years the kind of impact that Kyle Busch has on the drivers that he imparts his knowledge to. Um, and I think uh, it's going to elevate colleague racing. He's going to elevate RCR. And we're going to see a lot of great competition this season. I hope it's not a swan song kind of thing for Kyle Busch. I hope he continues his winning ways. So we'll see what happens. Jay, your thoughts? Yeah, I think there's several things to unpack with that, as we like to say. First off, Kyle Busch, I think, uh, and I'd have to, I didn't find where he made his announcement. His goal was to hit 100 wins. He had 102 because he had more starts that he was contractually obligated to. With Toyota and JGR, they had sponsorships lined up and other drivers lined up. They didn't need him to fill that seat, and he had achieved what he wanted. But I believe in that statement it said, unless called upon by team or sponsor. If you look at the switch over to Chevrolet, and I didn't make this connection, if you recall, when he was still deciding where to go, Colleg Racing came in to play late and actually seemed like a strong fit that he may go to Colleg Racing on the Cup Series before it was announced mm-hmm. that it was RCR. Second, it is a business thing for Colleg Racing. It's in that number 10, which they had already announced, Landon Castle did not have enough sponsorship to run the full season. They need Kyle Busch and what sponsorships he can bring to them. So for them as a team, it's a necessity. They're filling spots. And I think that's where fans got to give Kyle a break. He didn't say, I'm going out to win more trophies. This is all about me. He is helping that team. He was called Mm -hmm. upon. So I think that's where fans need to give him a break. Uh, He hit his mark of 100, and he did abide by it. He didn't race any last year in the Xfinity Series. Um, So I'm okay with it. Uh, I think right now, and I think, think an Xfinity. It said he was doing five. I think an Xfinity, though, the Cup can do up to seven, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, that might have changed. They've bounced that number around. I think they're at a good level in that range um, of how many they allow these Cup drivers to do, because we don't want to see it go back to, and I think back in my beginning time of it, uh, Kevin Harvick and Kyle Edwards are running full, both seasons, uh, Xfinity and Cup um, full-time and winning the championship at both. I, I like the fact that they took that option away, the way they do the playoffs now and everything else. It prevents that. Um, we've seen that be a good change. But I do like them being available to run several. And I know he said he wasn't going to. Again, there's some qualifications with that. But I don't see this as Kyle Busch doing it for himself, for his own ego or anything else. Uh, I think it is to help the college racing team. Okay, Mike, follow up. Oh, this hurts. I mean, we are way, way too early in the season for me to start agreeing with Jay, but here we are, and I really don't like this. Uh, First of all, I I, kind of agree with Jay and somewhat disagree with you on this one, Sharon, where 
I like that they limited Cup Series drivers to a certain number of Xfinity Series races, whether it's five or seven or whatever the current limit is. I like that they took away the option of Cup Series drivers running full-time in both series or even all three series. Um, Slap Shoes over on YouTube did a video about this probably about six months ago about the bushwhacking era of the mid-2000s into the early 2010s where you had guys like Kevin Harvick, Carl Edwards, and others who – they were running the full-time Xfinity series and the full-time cup series and dominating both series. And what that really did, at least in my opinion, is it took the spotlight away from where the spotlight should be on. Yes. It is great to see cup series drivers in these Xfinity series races on a limited basis. It gives those drivers in that series, a great benchmark to, to measure themselves against and to learn from, but too much of a good thing is not a good thing. When you have uh, a cup, cup Series drivers dominating these lower-tier series, what that does is it takes the spotlight away from drivers who are trying to highlight themselves to advance their own careers. I think we've reached a good balance now where you can still have a driver like Kyle Busch come in and race a few races, bring those benefits that Jay talked about, about visibility, sponsorship, and whatnot to these organizations, but not take the spotlight away from drivers like Chandler Smith, for example, who is trying to highlight himself to eventually advance to the next level of racing. When you have that balance in there, I think it benefits everybody. The Cup Series guys still get to lend their experience, their knowledge, their notoriety, uh, sponsorship, et cetera, to these Xfinity Series teams, but still allow drivers to develop, grow, and move on without having to fight for the spotlight against guys who inherently just dominate that. So I think that's, that's probably a good thing there. With regard to Kyle Busch and the colleague racing, I, you might not be wrong about that being kind of a handshake that eventually was what led Kyle Busch over to uh, Richard Childress Racing. You're right. There was a lot of talk about Kyle Busch potentially going over to colleague racing, potentially even in an ownership role, but that didn't materialize. Maybe there is a bit more of a handshake there where colleague racing would not take Kyle Busch, but Kyle Busch would still offer his support financially and experience to colleague racing series program to, to benefit them while still driving for Richard Childress in the cup series. It's interesting to see what's, uh, what's going to happen here. I expect Kyle Busch to be just as capable in a Chevrolet as he is in a Toyota. Realistically, there's, Aside from sheet metal and engines, there's really not a whole lot of difference between these cars. The differences really come down to organization, how the teams prepare, and how they get the car ready and perform on the racetrack versus any sort of mechanical differences between the cars themselves. So I see Kyle Busch being just as successful and equally prepared Chevrolet as he would have been in a Toyota. Uh, I do expect him to win some races for Colleague Racing this year. It's going to be interesting to see, and I really hope that it does uh, benefit the organization and the series as a whole. Oh, okay. Um, I'm certainly not – let me kind of clarify something here. I'm certainly not advocating for Kyle Busch to run a full-time season in the Xfinity Series. Um, I, I do think that uh, uh, they need to limit the number of races that he races. I'm, I'm, what I'm addressing is the concern from fans uh, of having Kyle Busch come back into the Xfinity series. There are some benefits to that. Um, and although they have limited it, uh, you're right, it probably is a pretty good place. But I always like to see Kyle Busch challenge the other drivers. And I know that the drivers, we've heard it, Jay, over and over again from the drivers, how much they like having him in that series and what they learn from him being in that series. So that's the only point that I'm trying to make. 
um, I agree that they probably are at a good spot at this particular point in time. Uh, and again, don't take my comments to mean that I think he should be racing a full season because that's just not the case. Um, also, um, uh, I, I thought Jay brought up a really good point about the sponsorship and the handshake uh, agreement with Colleague Racing uh, as he makes this transition from Toyota into Chevrolet. Uh, I think it's going to be uh, a really good um, uh, thing. Uh, <clears throat> I've got, I'm doing a couple of things here. I think it's going to be a really good um, uh, transition for Kyle Busch. I agree. I don't think it's going to be that big of a difference for him. Uh, but I do think Kyle Busch is a wheelman. He can wheel just about anything that he gets into, and uh, I don't expect him to have a huge transition uh, from Toyota to Chevrolet. Uh, that's why I think he's one of the drivers to watch at Daytona this weekend. I think that uh, this is a new start for Kyle Busch, and I think that he's going to be uh, one to definitely watch this weekend with his experience in this next-generation car. So, um, yeah. I think it's all good uh, with Kyle Busch racing in the Xfinity Series as well. That's about all I have to add. So, Jay, you want to wrap this one up? Well, and, and you guys hit it. We, we talked about it from the college racing side. I, I know Mike talked about it, of, of the oddity of it being, not being for Richard Childress. They showed last year, uh, I know Sheldon Creed could probably use a little bit of coaching, but I think that for his first year coming over to Xfinity, just having some bad luck. RCR has a good, solid two-car program, so they don't really need Kyle Busch in there to either bring sponsorship in or improve the team. Not that he wouldn't improve any team he goes to, but they don't need it like Colleg Racing did, especially if they want to keep that car full-time down the road to keep it on the track. So uh, I think that's where it just didn't fit in RCR's plans. And like I said, I don't think had that been the case, Kyle would have run any this year. Uh, college racing did need it and there's another possibility you want to talk about some handshake deals maybe it is chevrolet as a manufacturer that kind of pushed it of he said okay i I can't do as much as i wanted to with the truck series because he went from a four car or four truck team down to i think two two and a half teams um for this year that he's doing that with Chevrolet to help build up his truck series program for the following year, again, possibly with sponsorships. So we don't know all the dominoes that are in play there as to what it'll lead to in the future. Okay, Mike, we're up to you for the next hot topic. Well, we've talked a lot about a bunch of big moves from one team to another. We got Kyle Busch over to RCR, Jimmy Johnson going to Legacy Motor Club, things like that. But in the past couple of days, we've gotten news about a couple of big non-moves. Namely, Alex Bowman just signed a long-term three-year contract extension with Hendrick Motorsports, and Daniel Suarez has signed. I forget the, t- the length on this, but it was described as a long-term extension with. Uh, uh, track house racing. So two big drivers who have uh, been very successful the past few years uh, have been nailed down for the long duration with their teams. Jay, your thoughts? Well, the Daniel Suarez one uh, to me is is a given. Uh, you know, he proved, uh, and that's who started with track house, track house racing. Uh, I know Ross Chastain kind of come over and took the lead on that. 
But that was built around Daniel Suarez, and he's thrived in it. Got his first career victory. Was a championship contender. Um, I think they'll go a little bit better and deeper this year. So for him, I think that one was kind of given. The Alex Bowman situation, he is one that has always kind of just flown under the radar for whatever reason, always seems to be the name when it comes to, hey, he's going to lose his ride. The hot seat, as Mike referred to it. Um, I think it's a solid sign. I, you know, uh, he's kind of streaky, if you will, but we've seen him in there and contending again at least every year. Uh, you know, he does have those lulls that, that we've seen, but I just uh, – that one, I, I, I thought there was a possibility, but we've seen in the past, HMS, with a few exceptions, generally commits to a driver long-term, gives them that chance to develop. Uh, you know, Gordon got his entire career with HMS, got a, a leadership position. I think Jimmy Johnson could have hand, had that. Uh, I don't know about that, but he ended up over at Legacy Motor Club, and I'm just going to keep throwing that name out there so I get used to saying it. Tricon Garage in the truck series. I got to work on that one too, right, Sharon? <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, so we've seen that in the past of, of HMS, when they get a driver, I mean, they truly do commit to them. Uh, we've seen that throughout their history. Uh, like I said, they give them that chance to develop, work with them, if need be, give them starts in the other series. So uh, I don't see it as a big surprise. However, I wouldn't have been totally blown away if they had gone a different direction and possibly replaced him either. But I think Ally really likes them. Uh, I know they Ally went with a five-year deal with uh, HMS now. Uh, Bowman's is only a three-year, I think. But I think that pairing, just like it was with Jimmy Johnson, um, they really like that that matchup, and they're going to keep it together. Okay, yeah, I think uh, both of those are good moves, uh, bringing uh, Daniel Suarez back at uh, Trackhouse and then also uh, Alex Bowman at HMS for all the reasons that you guys have said. HMS has a track record of loyalty, and uh, I think that's worked out well for them. Um, And then uh, Trackhouse Racing, uh, I really like Trackhouse Racing and everything that they're doing in that organization. Uh, Daniel Suarez has kind of taken – uh, the lead there at this particular point, and, and uh, uh, I think that uh, he's going to do really well for Trackhouse Racing as well, and so I think that's a good move uh, in, from both directions for both Alex Bowman and, and Daniel Suarez. Um, and uh, I guess there's not a whole lot more to say to that other than, uh, you know, I wish him a lot of success in these coming years. Um, I think it speaks to the type of organizations that uh, both of those teams are and uh, the reasons why a lot of fans like both teams. So Jay kind of hit on it where Daniel Suarez, I'm not going to say he is track house racing, but he definitely opened the door for track house. He was their first driver coming into the cup series full time. Uh, he got their first, uh, his first win with track house racing. He could have had two or three more if some things had gone his way that ended up not going his way. Um, he had some really rotten luck at a few races last year that he could have easily have won those races if not for that rotten luck. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Daniel Suarez get multiple wins this year with track house, especially knowing that his future is secure with that team. I expect to see Daniel Suarez do even better than he did last year. With regard to Alex Bowman, 
I don't know why everyone wants to assume that Alex Bowman has one foot out the door at Hendrick Motorsports. It's been like that ever since he started <laughs> subbing for Dale Earnhardt Jr. Every, every single time people talk about Alex, oh, well, he's, he's just going to sub for Jr. and then he's gone. And then they put him in the 88 full-time when Jr. retired. Oh, he's, just, he's only going to be there for a couple of years and then he's gone. And then they put him in the 48. And it's the same thing. That the fact of the matter is Alex Bowman has won at least one race every single year that he's been full-time with HMS. He's had multiple win seasons a few times. Like Jay said, he can be streaky. He gets hot and cold times, but what driver doesn't? Alex Bowman is also a phenomenal personality. He's a great representation uh, for himself, his sponsor, and the sport in general. Uh, a very understated guy, but probably one of the funniest guys in the garage if you actually listen to some of the things he says. He's a great personality. I'm really glad to see him securing a top ride for the future. Uh, Ally Financial, like Jay said, a five-year extension there. I'm sure they had a big part to play in retaining Alex Bowman. It seems like a very good relationship that they have between sponsor and driver there. Uh, and it's great to see a full-time sponsor, full-season sponsor like Ally Financial, which is rare in the sport these days, making a long-term commitment along with a long-term commitment for a driver. Again, I think Alex Bowman having that security behind him. He won one race last year. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see him win several this coming season with HMS and that more secure number 48 car. Okay. Jay, any follow-up? No, I really don't. Uh, like I said, uh, the Daniel Suarez one, that to me just uh, 100% makes sense. Alex Bowman, I understand where some of the fans see it. And I think about it, um, not as far as winning as much, but he kind of really was a replacement for Jimmy Johnson. Not a high, flashy profile driver, just there does his business and goes about it. And, and like Mike said, I, I'm with him. Uh, I know they, they talk about Matt Kenseth having a dry sense of humor. Alex Bowman actually is kind of a funny guy, if if you understand him and, and get to know him um, and understand that. Rolls with the punches. I know, uh, what was it, Denny Hamlin called him a hack. He's got the T-shirts made up. I mean, he just rolls <laughs> with it. And he is one that I feel the work he has put in, uh, I know he went through some underfunded, really badly underfunded teams to get himself in that position. Like Ryan Priest, I use him as an example, went to HMS as a simulator uh, driver, worked with the simulator got his opportunity filling in for Dale Jr., showed his worth, and got rewarded for it, and is still getting rewarded for it. Like I said, I just, I think it's a matter of fans don't see him because he's not that flashy, in-your-face type driver, especially even when he's winning. So kind of flies under the radar, and people are like, oh, he's not very good. Well, he, Mike's got the statistics. He's winning. I mean, and that's what it's about. And then I, th I think the key is that, that partnership with Ally. I, I think they really do like that in the partnership um, that I think you're right, that they had a major influence on that. Okay. Uh, I don't have a lot to add, so, Mike, I'll let you have the final words here. Well, really not anything to add as well. Uh, I wish them the very best. I expect some good things out of both those drivers. They're, they always feel like they're right on the cusp of having that breakout season. And not that they've had bad seasons, but – I feel like you can get so much more out of those drivers, and they're right on the edge of achieving it, and 2023 might be their year. Okay. Uh, Jay, we're back to you for our final, our next hot topic. I don't know if it'll be the final, but our next topic. Well, and I know, uh, Sharon, you were catching up there. I don't know if this one was on the uh, on our board or not, but 
if it isn't, I apologize, but I know we all know it. Todd Dillon kind of got, I feel, kind of hosed. Um, I know, again, talked about it with Kyle Busch. It's business is business. Uh, Zane Smith going to get some rides in the number 34 for Front Row Motorsports. A couple of them are going to bounce Todd Gillen out of that ride. And Todd has handled it well, but he was also told it was his ride for the year. Uh, I hope that he can fill those other spots so he's still eligible for the championship. Uh, we've seen that in the past because I think he's really started to come into his own in Front Row Motorsports as a whole. But I understand Zane Smith giving him that opportunity as well. Okay, Mike, your thoughts? It's a tough spot to be in. Like Jay said, it's business. Uh, front row and rotor sports, probably more than other teams in the Cup Series, is they're very dependent on sponsorship. And unfortunately, Todd Gillen did not have the financial backing to justify having him in the car full-time for the entire series. And Zane Smith brings money to the table, as well as being an up-and-coming developmental driver that they're trying to get Cup Series experience for. So, I hate it for Todd Gillen, but at the same time, I kind of understand it. He was a rookie last year, so you can't really hold too much against him. But that 38 car, they had a couple moments here and there, but Michael McDowell in the 34 had a very, very good season last year. The 34 didn't win any races, but he was certainly in contention at quite a few of them, particularly the road courses, whereas the 38 really wasn't. Now, like I said, Todd Gillen was a rookie last year. It's really hard to compare him against a decade-long veteran like Michael McDowell, but when you're trying to make a case for staying in a ride, it's hard to do so when you don't have the financial backing and you're just being drastically outrun by your teammate on the racetrack. I get it. It's tough. As far as people saying, oh, well, you know, how, how much is Todd Gillen going to help the 34 team? I think that's an absolute non-issue. Uh, Bob Pockers posted a tweet about it a couple of days ago, and I thought it was kind of – not to say that Bob is bringing up a ridiculous point, but it's, it's, it's on that edge there. Poor sportsmanship and not being a good teammate when you're given the opportunity to is definitely not a good look for a driver who's trying to audition for a more secure full-time ride. So I do expect Todd Gillen to, to, to maximize the opportunities that he does have and try and, and put the best face forward to audition for that full-time ride, whether it's with FRM or somewhere else that might be looking for a driver that has development potential like Todd Gilliland has. Yeah, you alluded to it. I think this is a growth opportunity for Todd Gilliland. Yeah, I feel bad for the guy uh, to a certain degree. I think it's a great opportunity for Zane Smith. Uh, But it's not what happens to you that matters. It's how you deal with what happens to you that's going to make all the difference in the world. So Todd Gilliland is going to have a growth opportunity here uh, to show some maturity. He's had issues with that in the past. Uh, and I think that um, this this is an opportunity for him to go and as a driver uh, because being a good teammate is extremely important, and uh, he needs help with that. So uh, he's going to be a teammate now with Zane Smith. Um, I think that Todd Gilliland is, is up to the task. I think that uh, there's an opportunity for him to uh, step up to the plate and, and show what he can do and put a better face forward. He needs that. 
So uh, I think it's going to be great all the way around as long as Todd Gilliland uh, does the best he can with the situation that he's been given here. Uh, you're right. He has to step up to the plate if he wants to get the sponsorship. He's got to step up to the plate if he wants to have that full-time ride and an opportunity to contend for a championship. Is he capable of doing that? He absolutely is. Uh, but he's got some maturing to do to get to that place. So uh, I think it's a good thing. We'll see what happens and how he responds to it. Uh, Jay? Yeah, so far from what I've seen, he he has um, done the right thing as far as accepting that role and responsibility um, of knowing that it's, it's a business decision. I just hate to see it for some of these drivers. And I think back and it was, as I thought about it, uh, with that same team, John Hunter Nemechek. Uh, I mean, we know he's got the talent. He went back to the truck series, winning races, winning championships, now in with uh, Joe Gibbs Racing in the Xfinity series and have to come back through to get back to Cup. Uh, Front Row Motorsports is one of those, especially with that second team. Uh, And I don't remember the statistic on it of – They've only had the one with Michael McDowell, the the number 34, be the same full-time driver for multiple years. Other than that, uh, I think Anthony Alfredo went through that door, John Hunter Nemechek, Ty Dillon. I just hate to see it because I think about Chase Elliott, William Byron. They were in Hendrick Motorsports Equipment. It took them two to three years in top-notch equipment to really hit their stride, start winning races on a weekly basis. So... A, company or a team like Front Row Motorsports, it's even tougher. Now, they're in that position where, like you said, sponsorship brings a big factor. Um, so um, Zane Smith right now as a, a defending Truck Series champion coming in, has that in his pocket or is bringing it anyway uh, that they want to be behind him. I get that. I just wish it were in a third team and not taking away from Todd Gillen because and Sharon, thanks to you, this is one that I have had the chance. I, I talked to him and covered him at Memphis Speedway when they were here. Him and Harrison Burton having their battles in the East uh, Series, <laughs> as well as Todd in the racing for the championship in the West. Uh, I understand there's some history there and uh, how he carries himself possibly with teammates. I know he went through with Harrison Burton there at Cowbush Motorsports and some of the things that happened there. We've seen that. So I understand where that um, – image is coming from and, and maybe that is something he's aware of and working on i just i hope he does get the opportunity like i said of the of the races that he is not in the front row motorsport i hope he is able to get a ride with some other team even if it is to start the race so he's eligible for the championship because he has won that given time i think could have that breakout year get a victory or possibly even i know we, we look at that top 16 isn't even a lock of, unless you have a win over the past couple of years, um, but is right there close to hitting that stride, and, and I want to see that opportunity. Uh, you know, Sharon, I know you and I have talked about it. I think about uh, all the names splitting. Casey Atwood uh, mm-hmm. come up with uh, ever in motorsports back in the day. Didn't quite get it done in that first year or two and absolutely disappeared, and I think he was one that had some great talent. Okay, Mike, um, do you have any follow-up? Kind of changing gears a little bit on the discussion, one interesting thing to note is this kind of ties into a discussion we had last year where 
teams are some, somewhat breaking down the typical development profile for a driver. And what I mean by that is, remember last year we were talking about Nice Motorsports potentially moving up into the Cup Series, going from the Truck Series to the Cup Series, and saying that the Xfinity Series wasn't worth entering. And now we see Zane Smith, who is a very accomplished Truck Series driver, defending champion in the series, he's getting select starts in the Cup Series. Not the Xfinity Series, the Cup Series. So is this going to be a continuation of the trend? And this might be a different hot topic, but a continuation of the trend where development really happens in one or the other between the Xfinity Series and the Truck Series, but not necessarily both of them. It's going to be interesting to follow to see if other drivers, Haley Deegan would be another good one to keep an eye on, whether if she, if she starts to develop and do well in the Truck Series, if she does progress into the Xfinity Series, or if a successful Truck Series driver, Haley Deegan, eventually moves up directly into the cup series from there. Definitely something to keep an eye on here as far as trends go for driver development. Yeah, let's go ahead and roll with that, Jay. Um, is the Xfinity series going to remain re- relevant? Because Ty Gibbs last year uh, said that there wasn't much he could take from the Xfinity series that was going to help him in the cup series. Uh, what are your thoughts about that? Well, I, th- I think it's even less, though, and if you're talking about from trucks to cup, um, uh, not being a driver and being in it, but I think it, de- it depends on the driver and what they see in raw talent and their adaptability. Um, so you do go from the trucks to a stock car. Now, like Ty Gibbs uh, at least came through other uh, stock car, coming from the Arkham Menard series, very dominant, okay, right into um, – the Xfinity dominated their move move on up, and and everybody saw that. Uh, other things aside, the raw talent and ability was there. I think in ones uh, that maybe need more track time, especially on some of the different tracks, you don't see in the Truck Series that if they say, okay, we go to Cup, you you don't have it, enough experience on these types of tracks. That's where the Xfinity Series program comes in. A lot of it too is a, a financial thing. It is easier to finance a truck series team than an Xfinity. I mean, that's quite a jump when you talk about that as far as sponsorship between those two. Um, so I think it's all very situational and what they observe within the driver um, as far as whether they need to go. I know it used to be the, the ABCs, ARCA, Bush, and then Cup, um, strictly when it came to the stock cars themselves. But we've seen some that have gone trucks directly to Cup. Uh, I think it just depends on the driver and the situation. Um, we, I know we've talked a lot about of for Toyota, it's kind of you got to move them through the pipeline because there just isn't the room at the top, so you, there isn't room to go directly from the trucks to the cup. So they use the Xfinity as another tier anyway to move them along without really moving them up. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think it is a situational thing. We've seen some really good racing in the Xfinity Series. We've seen drivers come from the Cup Series and race in the Xfinity Series and put on some really good shows. So I don't think it's an issue. I don't think it's going to render the Xfinity Series irrelevant in any way, shape, or form. I think it depends on the driver and, as you said, Jay, his adaptability because <laughs> trucks are boxier, the aerodynamics are totally different, uh, and it's a big jump there too. But I do like the format that they are doing where they're allowing some of these drivers to race uh, six or seven 
races, uh, maybe five races in the Cup Series as kind of a transitional uh, opportunity for them to come up into the Cup Series. <clears throat> Not all drivers can do it. Chase, uh, Cole Custer is a good example. He was really, really good in the Xfinity Series, winning races uh, and doing very, very well. Uh, but when he went up to Cup, <clears throat> I think there were a lot of reasons for why it was more of a challenge for him, not to mention one of those being the next-gen car, uh, adjusting to one car and then having to adjust to a totally different car. Uh, it made that transition a little bit more difficult. And, again, it goes back to the point of it being a situational situation. Um, Justin Algauer, uh was a backmarker in the Cup Series, came into the Xfinity Series, and is a championship contender year in and year out. So I do think um, that there shouldn't be too much read into that. I think that it is a, a, a situational thing. So, Mike, what are your thoughts? Well, I'm not going to say that the Xfinity Series is irrelevant. What I think is, is going to happen is it's going to be less of a linear pro- uh, progression. Like Jay said, before the truck series was a thing, it was ARCA, then Bush, then Cup. And then when the truck series came around, the typical driver development profile was trucks and Xfinity or whatever the series was called during that time, nationwide or or whatnot, and then into the Cup series from there. And I think what's going to happen now with the Cup car being so drastically different from the lower tier series, I think really the value is track time. It's not necessarily the experience of driving the car. It's more the experience of being on the racetrack, that awareness of working with a spotter, working with a pit crew on and off a pit road, Mm -hmm. uh, that awareness of knowing where everyone else around you is on the racetrack. I think that's the experience that you're gaining. And it doesn't matter whether you're in a truck or whether you're in an Xfinity Series car. The value is roughly the same. It used to be there was a big talent jump as well between – one lower tier series, whether it be ARCA or trucks, into the next series, and then finally into the Cup Series. The Cup Series is still the very best drivers. Absolutely, by far, the Cup Series field is stacked. But you go down a rung, and both the Xfinity Series and the Truck Series are very comparable in terms of you've got 10 or so, give or take a few, uh, teams that are regular contenders for wins on any given weekend. And it doesn't matter whether it's truck or whether it's cup, you've got those same 10, or a trucker or Xfinity, you've got those same 10 guys. So you're really racing to, to beat 10 other drivers and their comparable talent level. If you, if you took Zane Smith and put him in a comparable Xfinity series car, I think he would do just as well as he does in a truck series vehicle. So I think that's really where the experience comes in as opposed to, becoming a big fish in a small pond and then jumping into a pond with bigger fish and and growing there and then jumping into a pond with bigger fish. I think the the fish in the pond are roughly the same size when you're not in the cup series. So I think the value now in these lower tier series is track time and experience versus uh, progressing against a a gradually increasing talent level, if if that makes sense. Okay, Jay. It certainly does, Mike, and that's where we talk about with uh, HMS. I mentioned this earlier during our uh, short track uh, preview to, to start the show today. Jeff Gordon talked about drivers getting out doing things like the Snowball Derby, some late model races, the SRX, of just that broadening that, as well as exposure, which works with sponsors as well. 
but broadening that exposure and increasing the, just the driver talent of get in anything and drive like we've seen several that have that capability wanting all drivers to have that wide range. So, um, and that may be where when it comes to an Xfinity plan or program versus a truck plan or program, the finances, some of the tracks, uh, you know, if they need to develop on certain short tracks, the truck series goes to short tracks, uh, some tracks that uh, the other series don't. So that might be where they kind of want to put them and get that focus. And I think about Cole Custer. Um, when we talk about drivers that not being successful, big time successful right out the box, I believe he will be back in cup next year. We know mm -hmm. Harvick is retiring. We'll see what happens, but they at least then kept him in the program and are giving them opportunity to continue developing by putting him back in the Xfinity series. I know that's a demotion, if you will, but there's another one. See what he does. You know, goes back there. We know he can win because he went and did it with the, uh, what was it, the 07 uh, SS mm -hmm. Greenlight, whatever team they partnered with. So we know he's got the talent. The Cup Series just wasn't clicking his way for whatever reason. Um, they're giving Ryan Priest the opportunity. I say, I think they kept him there, put him in their Xfinity ride for a reason. I think he's going to be back next year. Yeah, I think uh, one of the big adjustments that a lot of these drivers make when they come from short track racing or even the Arkham Menard series is the pit stop. That is the biggest learning curve for them when they're making that transition. So they can learn pit stops in the truck series. They can learn pit stops in the Xfinity series. Uh, so, uh, again, it comes back to the situational uh the particular driver that you're talking about, their adaptability, and all of the things that we started this out with. I think that's what it comes down to. Um, and I think that all three series remain very competitive and uh, uh, very viable within the NASCAR model. Uh, we'll see how things work out this season. Uh, and um, I do think that uh, we're going to see a lot of great racing in all three series uh, this 2023 season, and uh, we've got a lot to look forward to. So, Mike, I'll let you uh, wrap this one up because we're just about done here. We kind of tied uh, a couple of hot topics together there. I just realized I wasn't on mute, so I hope I didn't blast you guys with any background noise. Um, we, we kind of tied a, a couple different topics together there. Um, the Xfinity Series is, is interesting this year. There's really – there's a couple guys coming into the Xfinity Series to keep an eye on, but really the future of the Xfinity versus the Truck Series is definitely going to be something to keep an eye on for the, the coming years. What they do in terms of driver development with a lot of these top cup rides being filled with younger drivers who, so long as they do well, aren't going anywhere for the foreseeable future – what the Xfinity Series and the Truck Series is going to look like in two, three, five, ten years, I think it might be very, very different, but definitely something to watch. Okay. We'll let that be the final word. We are at the end of our show here today. And uh, i got to say, it's good to be back, guys. And uh, we'll look forward to being back on air this coming Monday with the review of the racing at Daytona International Speedway this weekend and with Sal Segala as our co-host for the review show and our hot topics uh, with our regular format uh, and live broadcast on Monday night. So uh, looking forward to it. I know Jay and I will be back on Thursday night next week as well. And uh, I think 
uh, once again, we've got so much to look forward to in this season uh, and a lot more hot topics to discuss. So thanks, guys, for being on the show here tonight, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you on the other side of the races uh, at Daytona this weekend. With that, guys, I think we're ready to call it a wrap. All right. Super excited for this first show and ready to go at it for the year. Have a great day. Enjoy the racing this weekend, everybody. Okay. Goodbye, everybody. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.